Welcome everyone to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. I'm your host Carter Laren, and uh, what is it? It's Friday. I think it's the 26th. <laughs> I think it's the 26th. It is the 26th. It's Friday, the 26th of June. Um, this is a show that we do live every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, Carrie is going to join us today, but she's going to be late. Um, she had a service person coming to her house who did not come on time, and so she's dealing with getting rid of that person so that she can come join us. So apologize for that. Uh, I'm going to sit back and have a yerba mate, and, uh, which is not carnivore. I'm cheating uh, on my, my carnivore eating. And, uh, and talk to you guys in chat, and maybe I play a few clips of some things that I've got for you. There's a lot to talk about today. Um, welcome everyone in chat, by the way. Uh, it's great to see active chat. Uh, Rib Rotgut says Carter got some sun. Carter did get some sun more than you can see. Carter lobsterfied himself because he was reading Ordinary Men uh, outside in the hammock, and his wife told him emphatically that he would get sunburned, and he ignored her. And then he used all of her sunburn lotion to make himself feel better. So... Um, anyway, no one wants to talk about my sunburns. Uh, let's, first, I want to, I want to thank, I don't know if he's in chat, but Duty Rated is a good friend of mine, and when, if you see him in chat, say hi to him, treat him nicely. Um, Duty Rated made, uh, made me, he suggested that I watch a, a movie last night called The Killing Fields about, uh, about Cambodia. Now, I'd been, uh, I'm aware of the Khmer Rouge. I mean, I know the history, and, and I, I knew it from a from broad strokes, but I'd never watched this movie. And the movie is uh, it's very narrow-focused. It follows one person's journey, basically, to maybe two people, you could say, through, uh, through the perils of the Khmer Rouge uh, rolling into, uh, what is it? What's it called? Phnom, whatever the capital is. <laughs> um Phnom Penh, I guess, however you pronounce it, and and then subsequently what happened. And uh, I'm going to talk about the, that in a little bit because I'm going to relate it to some stuff, but someone was asking about the uh, cover art. That cover art is from that movie, and I'm gonna we're going to talk about it. But first I want to talk about the toppling of statues because this week has been... There's a Wikipedia page specifically dedicated to statues that have been toppled. In fact, I'll just like... Just if you haven't seen it, like these are statues that have been, oops, these are statues that have been toppled uh, during the quote George Floyd protest. Now, again, these are not George, George Floyd protests, as we've said before, these are uh, Marxist protests, but nevertheless, it's a long list of statues. And I want to talk about it because I think we're we're being distracted. Um, the conversation is a distraction because we're getting caught up, a lot of us are getting caught up in specifics around um, who is this person? Should they be toppling this particular statue? And what's the actual, you know, there's a, the emancipation, um, uh, what's it called? I think it's called the Emancipation Memorial. 
uh, was one of the ones that's targeted to be taken down or, or attacked or they're trying to defend it. And, you know, people are trying to talk about, well, you know, the slaves, slave, uh, freed slaves funded it uh, voluntarily and Frederick Douglass was, you know, dedicated this statue. And then the other side is saying, well, you know, the slaves didn't get to choose the design and then there's a, uh, a black guy kind of kneeling down in front of Lincoln, and that's bad. So we're getting caught up in all this. And, and I think most of what I would call the conservative arguments, and I'm not trying to throw conservatives under the bus here, but most of the conservative arguments seem to be centered around preserving our past and tradition and the importance of history in, in some kind of abstract sense. And history, history is important, and, and I don't think those arguments are necessarily wrong. Uh, I just think they're weak. <clears throat> they're weak arguments. And as, as uh, Rib... Rotgut just pointed out in chat, uh, Republicans are largely silent. That's true. The Republicans are also largely silent. And even the voices that we're hearing are mostly, uh, they're few and far between, and they're mostly about tradition and, and like I said, the, the importance of history in kind of some, some weird abstract sense. And uh, I wanted to point out to you all that it's not, in my opinion here, it's not the statues that matter. Um, we are getting caught up in, I think, the wrong discussion. And I'm going to play a clip from V for Vendetta. It, it starts with my favorite line from V for Vendetta, but that's not actually the line I want you to pay attention to. It's the rest of it. So I'm going to play this clip and we're going to talk about it. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. And you're going to make that happen by blowing up a building. The building is a symbol, as is the act of destroying it. Symbols are given power by people. Alone, this symbol is meaningless, but with enough people, blowing up a building can change the world. So, I want to play that clip because the conversation to be having around these statues is around symbology. Uh, I guess we'll have that conversation in a moment. Carrie is calling in my ear here, so hold on. Let's see. Hey, Carter. Carrie. Yes. Hi. What Hi. did I miss? Uh, well, I'm about to. I, I started a discussion about symbology, uh, statue symbology. So. Okay. Um, but uh, I'm going to split screen us because everyone wants to see you and say hello to you first before we continue the discussion. Well, hi, and just so you guys know, I might have, I might, I'm probably going to get interrupted at some point. And have to step away. My my AC repairman got here a little late, and uh, I'm dealing with an AC problem. So. Yes, but we that might happen. Yeah. And uh, all right, so so I did, I played a clip from V for Vendetta, Carrie, about uh, okay statues being or not statues, but buildings being symbols, and then the same applies to statues. And the conversation I think we should be having about this is, you know, again, Carrie and I both talk about viewing politics more in terms of individualism versus collectivism or philosophy that, that way, rather than Republicans and Democrats and, the, and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and really, that's the battle that we're having here. Philosophically, it's this self-ownership, right? You own yourself or you're owned by other people as a means to their ends, whatever they vote on and decide at your ends. Those are the two, those are the two spectrums, right? And, and dictatorship is you're owned by one specific person and socialism is you're owned by everyone, uh, but you're owned, right? And individualism but is you're, you're owned. unowned, right? Yes. Uh, so, so that's the scale that we need to, to, to be using here, right? Um, and I have, uh, I have a message to the small government, which I think is most people here. Uh, I, 
I have a message to the small government people that are that are paying attention. And I want you to imagine, close your eyes, imagine a fantasy <laughs> uprising. Imagine, imagine that there is a, an uprising of small government proponents, right? Um, and these same statues, all the statues that are being toppled now that we're all mad about, these same statues in this, in this fantasy, these statues are revered by the big government people. They are viewed as symbols of greatness of large government. And you're part of the resistance movement. And the resistance movement is individuals. They're all individualists. And they want to tear down the system, just like these guys do. But, but you want to replace the system with what the founders intended. Uh, you, you're all, you're, it's a movement of strict constitutionalists, right? You want to return to the individual principles that this country is based on. And so you're tearing down these statues and you're declaring that these statues represent the bloat and overreach of the federal government. They've come to represent tyranny instead of individualism, instead of freedom from tyranny. You probably wouldn't be pulling down Thomas Jefferson's statue like these guys are, but whatever, right? You're pulling down statues, right? In this case you would probably be on the side of the people pulling down the statues. You wouldn't be making lame conservative arguments about the need to preserve history. You would be saying, we need to take the country back. We need to return to individualism. We need to destroy the symbology of the large government that owns you. Carrie, you can open your eyes, by the way. I don't know. Do you fall asleep okay. or what? Um, you told me to close my eyes and imagine, and I was waiting for you to... There's nothing Never more mind. to this imaginary thing. <laughs> okay. like, the statues are falling, but you would be on the side of the statues being toppled. What's, what's important here, what we should be focusing on, we're in the middle of a cultural revolution in America, a, a bad cultural revolution, like Chinese cultural revolution in America. The question we should be asking is what do the symbols represent and why are they tearing them down? They are not tearing them down individually. If you'll notice, they're very sloppy. They tore down a stat they tore down a bust in, in Golden Gate Park here in the Bay Area. They told they tore down a statue of Ulysses S. Grant or the bust of Ulysses S. Grant. It's like what the guy like led the Union <laughs> army. <laughs> like uh, why? Why are you tearing down these statues? They're not they're not discriminating about that. Um in terms of yeah, individual or they they defaced a uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan statue. <laughs> right. But they're, they are doing this intentionally, and I, I think they're doing, I'm going to use this word, atheists. Bear with me, fellow atheists. I'm going to use a word. I think this is what I'm calling spiritual terrorism. That's what they're performing right now. They yeah. are against the people uh, and the values, the principles of the people who value the, the founding of America, individualism, uh, freedom, self-ownership, limited government, they're against you. If you value those things, you are the enemy and they need to destroy your will to fight them. And to do that, they go after what you love because you love them. That's why they're going after the statues. Not because the statue is a particular thing, but because you love it, because you value yeah. it. That's why it's a target. It's a target because it's yours, not because it means a thing objectively. It's a target because it is yours. And by tearing down the statues before your very eyes, right? They want you to watch the destruction of your values. They're showing you that your values are not safe, right? Regardless of what any particular statue represents or doesn't represent, they're declaring war on your values and because you I mean, specifically, it's the, the principles of America, the founding of America, the, the values of the founding of the nation. 
And that's why this is all, that's the symbology. This, is, this symbology here is about the founding of the nation. And I'm calling it spiritual terrorism because they want to make you feel isolated, afraid, and hopeless. You're supposed to feel yeah. that your values have already been destroyed. You watched them get destroyed. Individualism is dead. There's no reason to fight it. This is psychological warfare and it's intentional. And that's what is, that's the discussion we should be having, not about whether one particular guy in the statue owned slaves or didn't own slaves or did enough for slavery or the posture of this guy in the statue is too subservient to that. That's the wrong discussion. It's not about tradition and history. It's about why they are doing it. It's psychological warfare designed to destroy the principles and the foundation of the United States. They're not putting up statues of Marx. They're not replacing them with anything. Right, even though we know they're Marxists, by the way, Carrie, did you see that? And we'll do that later. Uh, they're not replacing them with statues of Marx and Lenin. They're not saying these are the people we want. They are just saying your values need to die. Watch as we destroy them. That's what they're. That's what they're doing. And I don't see. Someone in chat said the Republicans are silent. Absolutely, screw the Republicans because they're silent. But even the conservatives mostly aren't making this point. They're making mealy mouth points about the the importance of history. Hmm. Well, that's my rant. Sorry, Carrie. I'm kind of on board with you, but kind of not because, okay. yeah, because uh, I agree with you that this is spiritual terrorism. I just don't. How would you suggest people talk about it in that way if they're not talking? Because if you start talking with someone who supports this, here's a great example. Okay, here in my little town, uh, that same city council, woke city council member I've mentioned before, and her little group of woke activist robots. Mm -hmm. They are trying to tear down. There's a there's a statue there that's been up for a hundred years on the square, and it's uh, a memorial to Confederate soldiers who died. They are trying to take that statue down, and they've been out there protesting at 9 a.m. like every week. They're really ramping it up online. They're trying to get. They're moving. They just moved it into the last city council meeting. <clears throat> they got a bunch of. They're really great at organizing. They got a bunch of their little zombies to all send letters. Yep. They're all in these groups. I'm in some of the groups. I see them. They're really great about like, here, send this, copy, paste. Here you go. Like giving it to you, you know. Um, how do you tell them if you were out there or if you were confronting one of them? Or let's say you wanted to go to the city council me meeting and make a case. Right. I don't think you're going like to like my answer. What's, what's your answer? I don't care. I would use the death. I would let the statues get pulled down and use it to rally the troops uh, about why the statues are be pulling, being pulled down and to point out what the enemy is about and the, let the enemy show themselves and fight the enemy. We can rebuild statues. We cannot, if, if, we, if we spend our time arguing in city council meetings about keeping up statues of Confederate monuments, we lose. That's a distraction. It doesn't freaking matter. We can make the monuments again later if you want to. That's not a problem. We are losing the country. We are losing. So then, so you let them pull down the statue, and then what? I, you use the statue as a, you use this behavior to shed light on the principles behind this movement, and you do what we're doing. You talk about individualism. You talk about why the founding principles of America are important, and you show the enemy for what they are, and you show why they're doing this, and you quote things like, I mean, we can play the clip if you want from the, the, I mean, this isn't news to anyone who watches the show, but the co-founder of BLM caught on camera saying that she's a Marxist, right? I mean, 
Oh, they admit it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they've it. always admitted it, right? And but the, a lot of people well, are like, leaders... "Ooh, they were caught saying it." It's like they're not caught no. saying it. They've been saying it blatantly for decades. You just don't listen. Here's the, here's the thing: is the leaders, <clears throat> the ones with bad intent, they admit it. They know what they're preaching, and they know most of them. I, I'm saying, roughly speaking, they know they're preaching a form of Marxism, and they knew it when they were indoctrinating me in college 20 years ago. Yes, we read Marxist uh, philosophers. We read. Foucault, you know, we read these things were part of my women's studies curriculum, but most of the people who preach it and who are indoctrinated like I was don't realize they're preaching a form of Marxism. Even though I read Marxist thinkers, I couldn't have defined Marxism if you asked me to. And if somebody had told me, they don't want you to be able to. I didn't understand it. I didn't read enough history outside of in. So they give you little. Uh, they don't give you the history of Marxism. They don't give you like, here's what happened in the Soviet Russia. Here's what happened in Maoist China. They don't do that. They take philosophers like Foucault and then they they um, they use it to push. They change it. They use it to push this new kind of Marxism, this identity politics-based Marxism. But they don't call it identity politics-based Marxism. They call it social justice. They call it intersectionality. They call it some of them even call it, they call it liberalism. They call it progressivism, even though it's not progressive and it's not liberal. Um, but so the, most of the people who, that, like that leader who in the tape said, admitted she's Marxist, the leaders know it's Marxism. Most of the people who are speaking it, all the soccer moms you see on your profile now suddenly speaking all the words, they don't know it's Marxism. They don't, know, they don't even know what Marxism means. And if you say that, oh, you're speaking Marxism, they look at you like you're, you've got a tinfoil hat on. <laughs> well, because what they they've done, what yeah, and, and this yeah. is, it's the same thing they actually did with the SJW word, right? They, there's yeah. a term that describes them. In the SJW case, they invented it. Actually, in the case of Marxism, they invented it. Uh, and in, in the case of communism, they invented it. Uh, and and then when that word becomes tainted because people see it for what it is, and therefore it's used derogatorily to describe them, they just say that you're ridiculous for calling them that. They, yeah. For the SJW word, they say it's just a, oh, that's just a slang, you know, um, derogatory term. For Marxist and communist, they just laugh at you like you're a crazy, you know, conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Um, but it's the same thing. But, uh, I don't know, someone in chat just Somebody- said... I, can I? Well, somebody had a great, great quote in chat. Um, you might be about to read the same one. The Solzhenitsyn, yeah, Judson, great quote. And I, you guys should all read some Solzhenitsyn. It's very applicable to what's happening right now. We do want to get to um, the Gulag Archipelago at some point in book club. It's just such a dense read. I've only read there. part of it. It was so dense. But anyway, he says, quote, you cannot destroy a people unless you sever them from their roots. Right. Well, he so, would know. Yeah. And that wasn't what I was going to read in chat, but it's a good quote. Okay. Um, I was going to respond to someone who said, uh, but the statues are part of the fight. I disagree with you, Carter. You like the statues are part of the fight. We need to fight. Um, look, I, I strive to be reality focused, right? And that makes me sometimes more optimistic than most people, sometimes more pessimistic than most people. I'm not always right about my levels of optimism or pessimism, but I'm striving to be reality focused. And, you know, when you're, let's talk about war. When your femoral artery is severed and you're on the battlefield, you don't have much of a choice. You got to amputate the leg or whatever. I don't know if that's correct medically, but like sometimes you got to lose a body part to, to win, to survive. And to rally the troops. 
not, I mean, you don't cut off your leg to rally the troops, but like, <laughs> look, you will, no, but if we get distracted arguing about statues, which I agree are part of the war, but they're a battle that we need to just, I think they're a battle that we need to like lose intentionally. We need to just say, fine, we're going to, we're not, I mean, we're still going to argue against it, but we're going to, we're going to use it to show people how vile you are and what you're doing. And we're going to draw comparisons like Solzhenitsyn to what happened in the Soviet Russia, to what happened in China, to what happened in the Khmer Rouge. We're going to show people what you're doing and, and the essence of who you are and what you're fighting. And they will get, I want people angry that you're tearing down statues. Go ahead. Right? Like, that's what we, we want that. And I know there's going to be people in each town that are going to want to fight the statue. And I guess you fight it on whatever ground you can. But in terms of the older, the, you know, the overarching war, um, this is much bigger than statues. This is, this is huge. Oh, and, this is And if huge. you don't think that we are, like, if you don't think that we're on the verge of extinguishing Western civilization completely, you're wrong. You're, you're blind. We are close. I would say you're blind. I, I have a... I, I was really uh, I, going into Kafefi today. I was mm -hmm. thinking about what I wanted to talk about, and I just I came in. I started this day incredibly frustrated because I saw someone um, on social media, some a friend of mine who I know in real life, who was posting something. I mean, it's the Scott Adams thing. It's like we are watching two movies. And I have a frustration, a growing frustration with the people who who still can't, who I feel like are watching the wrong, the completely wrong movie. They're they're watching the propaganda. They're, they're buying into the narrative that the legacy media is feeding them. And it doesn't matter if you're right or left. This over here, the stuff they're teaching, they're trying to teach you to believe is false. And you, I think you, I just don't understand it. I'm like, you would have to be blind not to see it now because everything's ramped up in the past few weeks. How can you not see it? Look at the opposing headlines. Look at the media. You know, this, this person was saying, oh, Trump is politicizing the virus and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, politicizing the virus. You know, I'm old enough to remember What are you paying January. attention to? <laughs> right, what are you watching? I was like, I remember January, February, and even March, even as late as March, when the legacy media, Dr. Fauci, and the Democratic politicians, my old party, were all telling us that the virus was nothing to worry about. You can find these headlines. There's tons of them, screenshots of these headlines. They were saying, it's nothing more than the flu. The flu's more deadly. Go hang Don't out with Chinese. Go celebrate Chinese yeah. New Year in, in New York City. They were, say, they were saying, but no, they were saying the flu's more deadly. Um, sorry, I lost my... Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's okay. <laughs> no, I want to have a back and forth with you. I just... Uh, anyway... They were telling us that it was more deadly. They were saying that Trump was racist for shutting down travel from China. They told us this yes. back in January, February, March. They also said, you know, in March, as late as March, the Democratic politicians were telling us, don't worry about this. De Blasio in New York in March said, go out and see a movie. Everybody go see a movie. Pelosi in California in San Francisco said, go to a Chinese parade. This is nothing to worry about. And then what did they do? Then they changed on a dime. They did a complete 180. And then, they're then they go straight to government-forced shutdowns, which is unconstitutional, after discouraging voluntary shutdowns, voluntary uh, isolation. They went straight to government-forced shutdowns. And then what did they say? 
they bagged on him, they bagged on Trump for not being a fascist enough, for not being a dictator, for not doing a federal lockdown. So they went from over here to over here, just trying to get on both sides of him, attacking him completely hypocritically from different directions. So they go over there. And then and then it's like, I'm also old enough to remember, they said, this is, this is only a couple months ago, and you know this. You're old enough to they remember told February. Us, <laughs> yeah, in March and April and May. And I remember how it was a relentless, a relentless hammering into our heads that if you were a small business owner or if you were a person who was unemployed and the the, right, the unemployment rates hit, what, 40, 45 million? I don't even know what the number is anymore. That if you were out in the streets protesting for your right to provide for your family, that you just wanted haircuts and that you wanted granny to die and that you would be taken to jail. They were they said they went on the cameras in Chicago. That mayor went on camera and said, we will take you to jail. They were very firm about it. OK. And then what happened? Then these leftist Marxist protests started. And now they're suddenly like, oh, these protests are fine. They even got health experts to release a statement saying we encourage these protests. These protests are good for your health because they're a social justice issue. You should go out. And, and you can look at the news coverage. We've posted these before. I, the, the screenshots from NPR, NBC News, some of them within two hours of each other, they run a headline saying, you know, Trump is, is intending on continuing his campaign trail and, and he's going to have lots of people at his rallies in this deadly coronavirus panic. Right after that, two hours later, headline, you know, it was a beautiful scene with the protesters all singing together. And it's a picture of like thousands of people and they're celebrating it. Without a sense of, without any shame, they're putting these things up back to back and telling us this is not okay, but this is okay. How can you look at that? And and I've, I've shared those screenshots with the people who are still on this Trump derangement syndrome train, the people who I think are watching a completely fake movie. I'm like, look at this headline. How can you dispute this? Why do you like being lied to? It doesn't, it's not about Trump. It doesn't matter who it is, the media. The politics, they're lying to you. They have no respect for you. And, and you know, they use the word gaslighting in the incorrect way all of the time. This is gaslighting. This is when your media tries to make you seem, feel like you're crazy because you're looking at these things that are so oppositional that, that, that they're saying this is okay and this is not. And, and you're being told to believe, no, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> there's, everything's cool, guys. Our narrative is that Trump fucked everything up. And I'm sorry for the language, you know, and that he's been wrong from the beginning and everything is his fault. Yeah. And that protests are okay if they're for social justice, but they're not okay if it's about feeding your kids. Right. Well, the virus can tell whether you're very upset about George Floyd or whether you need to eat. And obviously one is more important. Yeah. Um, Um, Can you just on the end of this rant, can you put up three of the I know I'm taking over, but I just just last little bullet point. You you got a rant going on. I sent you three images. Well, this is where my head was at this morning because I just had a complete, like, I don't understand how people can be so blind. It's, it's like, from a psychological perspective, I think it's probably fascinating. You could study this, how people could be so committed to a false narrative that they will literally look at, at these headlines in black and white, staring you in the face that they're lying to you and still say, that's irrelevant or that's not the real story or I, j- I just don't get it. So um, I sent you three screenshots. This is something Tim Pool posted, or I think it was four screenshots. Now, well, here's, th- here's, this is here's again, one. Is the same thing I, I'm, I can show, yeah. uh, can you see this one, Carrie? 
Mm-hmm. He says the game was rigged from the start. And then he shows us three headlines. So one of the headlines uh, basically says It's hard that, to read, actually, but... Yeah, you have to... They're all kind of uh, cut off a little bit. But basically, this one, okay. Oh, says, here, I can go back New to York, that one. Sorry, there you go. Which, yeah. which one do you want? Any of them. Okay, well, I'll start with this one. Can you read it? Uh, no, but I think it says COVID-19 contact something about George Floyd something despite something. Oh, oh, do you have the individual screenshot of that one that I sent you? Oh, was that? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's start there. So okay. do, read that one. New York City reports no protest-related upticks in COVID-19. So here's the, here's the media telling us that, hey, guess what? We were right. The virus is smart, and it, it knows which prote- what you're protesting this about. This is on the 24th. And, uh, yep. okay. Yeah. So it says there, was no, there were no protest-related upticks in COVID-19. Now look at this other headline. Now this is after, this is after the protests against the shutdown. Slo- the lockdown protests may have spread the virus widely, cell phone data suggests. Right. Now what's the missing, what's the missing thing here? Look at this third headline. Uh, do we have, hold on, let me see if we got the third headline. Oh, the the third headline was the first one, basically, that I didn't get. Hold yeah. On. Yeah, hold on for a sec. Sorry, guys. This one is New York City COVID-19 contact tracers are not asking about George Floyd protest participation, Despite fears of a new virus wave. So they're, they're, this was before, this was from June 14th. So June 14th, they we find out they're not actually even asking. They are excluding the leftist protests from what they're asking people about where they've been, from contact tracing. And then lo and behold, 10 days later, they say, hey, guess what? The leftist protests had nothing to do with the, the new uh, spike. Yeah, because you didn't ask about if they went to a leftist protest. <laughs> well... That's how you do news nowadays, I mean, Carrie. It's it's amazing to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, I just I just I, like you said, you have to be blind if you don't see what's happening. And so, there are some people who are so far gone down that ridiculous path, like like in the George Orwell's 1984, you know, which we read in book club. If you guys are new to our channel, um, you know the way that the media and the government just kept putting out conflicting statements you know one day we're at war with oceana the next day they're like we've never been at war with oceana right. next day we've always, always been east at war asia. with oceana yeah. <laughs> right. it's always east asia we've been at war with that's exactly what's happening and so if you ask mm-hmm. yourself how can some of these people look at facts right in the face and not see what's happening it's they've been conditioned they've been conditioned and and primed and programmed to believe this crap and you know what keeps them believing it it's some kind of emotional it's an emotional hatred of Trump. That's what they're using right now. I mean, I mean in any the whole in another thing time is emotional. Else. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, the the whole thing is, uh, I think, just it's a psychological. They're stuck in a in some kind of psychological trauma or some kind of loop where they're re-traumatizing themselves or whatever. Like they're just in, they're in this psychological state. It's not a question of IQ. It's just a question of um, pandering to one's own psychology without being willing to turn your microscope inward and uh examine yourself and your own your own motivations and your own uh fears and all that kind of stuff so uh it's you know it's easy it's easy to just you know orange man bad stuff but i think i think one of the things carrie is that as i listen to you 
uh, to say this stuff, it's weird because I don't have these interactions um, that you have. And I think part of it is I know I know you're going after social justice warriors to try and pull them this, uh, you know pull them over to our side sometimes, and I, but you're also going after kind of general NPCs going like trying to yes. pull them over, right? This guy's a general NPC, right? This guy, right? Um, and I've come to I've actually come to narrow my focus quite a lot. I don't care about those people. I mean, not existentially like I care about them, but like I, I they um what I'm concerned about is the silent majority who are not NPCs but who are afraid or don't know how to behave because we actually have enough people to combat this we just can't be cowards and we can't be we can't be silent right i mean it doesn't take yeah. there's not that many social justice warriors and NPCs are going to NPC that's what they're going to do so uh I think we I think actually activating people who already get that something's wrong here but can't articulate it or don't understand how to fight it or are afraid to fight it or feel alone. Um I think you know, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do what you're doing as well, but like that's the those are the the populations I'm trying to mine for support and community. Like, hey, join us. You can do something about this. You need to do something about this. You can't be afraid any longer. You've gotta stand up because we're going to die. Um you know, freedom is going to die. Uh, the West is going to die. Can we do a few quick super chats, though? Because um, I'm going to fall way behind if we don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a bunch. So as you're pulling them up, just to answer a couple different people in chat, ask what's an NPC. It's kind of a joke. NPC is the word that's used for non-player characters in a video game. It's the ones It's the ones that you're not playing. It's the ones that your character interacts with. And they're everything they do is based on programming. So NPC is just a way of, I, I, when I use it, I refer to the people, they may or may not be social justice warriors, but they're people who just listen to what the legacy media tells them and they obey and they believe it all, no matter how much it contradicts they, itself. When Chris Cuomo says, you're not allowed to read this, we have to, and tell you what it means, like they nod their heads and, and listen to Chris Cuomo. Um, yeah. So Wastelander says, uh, envy of white accomplishments is driving this. I don't know if that's true, uh, Wastelander. Uh, I think there is a lot of envy on the left. But uh, I don't think it's envy of white accomplishments. I think this is. Uh, I think it's I th just envy. It's a lot. I don't think it's even just envy. No, I think I think there's a lot of envy there, um, for stuff. But I think it's mostly uh, self hatred and resentment. That's it's like there's a there's a deeper nihilism that's pulling these down. They're not. It, I don't think they're envious of white accomplishments to the point of pulling down statues. I think there's just uh, there's a lot of destruction. But there's on. resentment. But there's a resentment of being. Yeah, but I don't think it's about a lot. I right. don't think it's envy of white accomplishment, right? Um, Kent Anufrachuk says, "Could you talk on the Kafka trap of their training?" <laughs> well, Carrie can probably talk on the Kafka. I mean, I could, but she's probably the well. Quick person. example: Kafka trap of their training. So they teach you these. They make up these, in some cases, racist and sexist phrases. They use a lot of racist and sexist phrases where they make a judgment and an assumption about an entire group of people based on race or sex. What, here's a great example, white fragility. So a white woman, a very successful and wealthy white SJW, what I call a professional SJW, Robin DeAngelo wrote this book, White Fragility. It's currently on the number one, I think it's number one bestsellers list right now. Everyone's reading White Fragility. Read it. <laughs> what she tells you is that if you are, uh, if you disagree with her and you don't believe that that, that white fragility is a thing, well, that's, evidence of your white fragility a kafka trap there's no way out anything you answer makes you guilty you just have to comply 
it's there's no Kafka trap yeah. is the logical like so for those of you who, who are like more philosophical minded and don't know kafka uh a kafka trap is basically the null hypothesis a lack of a null hypothesis in science right so like no matter what outcome I get in this experiment, it validates my hypothesis. There is literally no way to not validate my hypothesis. Uh, all of social justice ideology is built on no null hypothesis. The entire field has no null hypothesis. Right. White fragility, no null hypothesis. Uh, systemic racism, no null hypothesis. None of this. Uh, all, it's all like that. All right. Um, Marina says, I couldn't read White Fragility. It was disgusting. It is disgusting. I don't think you, should, you have but, to read it. I know Carrie wants to. But if to you want to know what it is, read it. We're not going to do it for book. Somebody was like, why don't you read these for book club? Because oh. book club is supposed to be fun. Because I get to be involved in picking <laughs> the books for book club, and there's no way in hell I'm going to waste my time reading Gap. <laughs> That's why. Uh, Cemetery yeah. of Choice says, do gulag in small chunks. Oh, oh, Gulag Acapelago. Yeah, if we do it, which I think we should, we're probably going to have to do it in chunks. We may even have to do Atlas Shrugged in chunks, which we haven't talked about yet, which is, I think, our next book. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll probably have to do it in chunks because it is – it's long. Um, okay, Thomas St. Thomas says, Carter, I like what you're saying, but where's the line? How do we know when to start the pushback? Okay, so I think what he means is – by the way, I think Thomas, I haven't actually hit the publish button, but I think he has a new article up. He's been publishing articles on the Unsafe Space Medium. Hi, Thomas. Uh, uh, whatever, publication thing on Medium. So uh, check him out. They're awesome articles. He's a great writer, and uh, they're, they're short, sweet, very clear, um, and poignant. Anyway, to answer Thomas's question, uh, I'm not saying we don't start pushing back. What I'm saying is this is a – so look, this is a – we can disagree on this stuff, guys. This is a tactical question. This is a I'm, – I'm making a tactical argument here, right? I'm not saying uh, – I'm not saying the statues don't matter. I'm not saying they're not part of the war. I'm saying uh, – what's the, what's the line from Princess Bride? Never get involved in a land war in Asia. I'm like, we can't spread ourselves too thin here. We have limited resources. Um, what matters is – Actually, like fundamentally, I would, I would, well, look, I would love to save the entire country. I would love to return all of the United States back to a limited government and like, yeah, I'm in. I think that's very unlikely. But even if it's possible, I know for certain that what matters most, the most important thing is that somewhere on the planet, the torch of freedom, the idea of individualism remains alive somewhere. There needs to be some spot, even if it's a single state, there needs to be a spot where humanity, freedom, can survive, where individualism can survive. Because, by the way, there's nowhere to flee. This is it. This is it. There's not. It's not like you can go to, you know, you go to New Zealand and it's more free. It's not. There's no other country to go to. So we need to make sure somewhere on Earth the torch of freedom burns bright. And it might be a smaller torch. So my number one priority is protecting that. If it can be protected in the bounds of the entire United States, great. If it's only going to end up being in Wyoming, at least it's in Wyoming or wherever. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but I want to win the war. That's the war to me. And if we have to make tactical decisions like, I think this battle's lost, what do we do? Uh, I, I, I think we need to make those tough decisions. And I would argue, I am arguing, that... 
getting into battles about statues all around the country that the crazy left is ripping down is kind of a distraction because uh, we're like we're, it spreads us thin. We're going to be arguing over the detail, which isn't actually the crux of what they're doing. We should be. I would choose to, you know, voice some opposition so people can see there's some opposition. They're going to win anyway, eventually. They're going to win. They, they have control over the local government. They've got control. They're going to do it at night when no one's watching. They're going to win. They're going to tear the statues down. So, sure, voice a little bit of opposition. They're going to tear the statues down. But put your effort into showing people how evil this ideology is and how much of a threat it is to freedom and figuring out... And like waking people up philosophically and, and, and explaining to people that, look, they're coming for you, right? Today, it's the statue in my town. Tomorrow, it's the statue in your town. Then it's your kid's school. Then you're going to get on a boxcar, whatever it is. Like they, it's not, it's not far-fetched that, that it will I get to that people, point. But that's why I think people are having trouble understanding, or at least I'm having trouble understanding what you mean about like, let them take the statues because- there, you know what's coming next, and you're right. It will end up with th this ideology always ends with mass murder. It's, it's so, not. A, it's not a let them. It's it's a. This is just this is like standard battle strategy discussion. Like, do we do we cede this territory over here so that we can protect this territory? Like, we have limited resources. That territory is lost. We're going to lose the statues, people. Okay, lose them. Focus on something else. You got limited time and resources in your life. Focus on something else. Figure out where to move. Take over a state. Do something, right, that's not fighting task statues in every little town. That is a losing battle, and ultimately, it's it's a waste of your resources. That's my view. You can disagree with me. We're still on the same side. This is a tactical discussion about and, and so when, Thomas, you're saying, like, where do we draw the line? I draw the line at the statues. Like, yeah, the statues are rad. That's a line. But we're going to lose that town. Like that, that territory is going to be lost and we've got a war over here. We got to fight and we got to pull the troops in and focus on the main battle. Um, because that battle while painful, uh, we're going to, we're going to have to lose it. We're going to lose it. I, I still, I'm, I'm, I just want to have some pushback with you in the, just cause I'm That's trying fine. to understand your perspective better. And I don't because it, it sounds to me like what, because it sounds to me like, I mean, we're going to lose that battle. Well, see, part of what I think would change this, we were talking about people being demoralized before. The point of them taking down the statues is spiritual warfare. They want to demoralize yeah. you and make you believe that the entire country is now opposed to the principles we were founded on, opposed to individualism, opposed to um, liberty, opposed to free speech, opposed to equality for all. They want to make you think that. And when the statues go, it's like people are going to be thinking that. I think some people are viewing, don't you think some people are viewing the statue fight as maybe that's where the line is? And if the government, well, like, if, so if they said, the, look, there are, up until a few weeks ago, it was, I took across them something, it was like a felon, it was a felony to deface and de destroy public property in that way. Why aren't they arresting these people? Like, wouldn't well, so that, that be that's, a line? That's why, it's, that's why it's lost, right? The FBI is literally kneeling to Black Lives Matter outside of the federal building in washington so like th this is literally yeah i oh, mean it was wow. mostly administrators but like yeah yeah it was mostly administrators yes <laughs> they were wearing fbi garb right so yeah. like th this is 
You know, they've been telling you for decades that the deep state doesn't exist, that you're a crazy Joan Alex, Alex Jones conspiracy theorist because the deep state doesn't exist. Why do they want you to think it doesn't exist? Because they own it. It's theirs. They own the deep state. That's why they don't want you to think it exists. Because they've infiltrated it. It was converged upon a long time ago. They own the deep state. They own Joe Biden. The guy's a babbling fool. Of. He's the commercial, the latest commercial, he literally can't even say his lines correctly in the Joe Biden commercial. My friend shared this with me. And like he screws up the line at the beginning of his commercial. And all I could think was, let's just put your producer hat on. There was like a day of filming, maybe just an afternoon. And they had this guy, they had the lines written down. They must have done take after take after take after take. And the best one they got, he still fucks up the lines. Joe Biden is a puppet for them. They want to install him yeah. and he's owned. I'm not sure he knows where he well, is. A, it doesn't matter. He's owned. It doesn't owned. matter. He's owned. I, so here's a prediction. And I saw people making, and then I think we were making this prediction months ago. And I've now since then seen an article that leads me to believe, oh, yeah, that prediction is going to come true. Um, they're not, they're going to use, speaking of politicizing the virus, they're going to use the virus to say, we can't have the debates, but the really, the real reason we can't have the debates is they can't put him on a stage. Right. Of course not. You can't have they Trump can't. against Biden. Right. No. Well, and so, so can, but, uh, can we get back to the statue thing for just for a sec? Cause yeah. I, I know you're still yeah. dis in disagreement, which is, which is fine. We may end on disagreement here, but, um, what I'm saying about the statues is not that it's not a battle worth fighting and, and it is spiritual terrorism. I, like that's true. Um, what I'm trying to say is it's also a it's it's also probably ultimately a losing battle. Um, and it's actually non it's symbolically essential, but it's not actually essential. And if you can judo move it, you can use the symbology to your advantage. And that's what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting like, look, Instead of wasting a lot of resources and energy fighting this battle and losing and feeling spiritually depressed about it, let it be a way. Point to it. Spend your energy pointing to it, showing other people that are kind of asleep how bad the left is. Judo move it. Turn it from something that's spiritually disappointing to spiritually angering. Get people angry about it. That, like, it's going to happen. Instead of making it a battle that you lose, make it a demonstration of how evil the enemy is and point out why they're doing it and what their ideology is. Get Use it to anger the right people instead of depress them. I'm, try, I'm suggesting, and I'm not, an, I'm not a tactical expert. Someone suggests we should read The Art of War. It's been decades since I read The Art of War, right? But I'm suggesting, yeah. like, if you can judo move this a little bit and say, look, they want us to be in these, these battles about each little freaking statue and blah, 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 blah. They want us to be arguing about this crap. They'll tear it down at 2 a.m. and life will move on. Um, instead of doing that, we can, be point, we can be standing back, not addressing them for the most part, but addressing everyone else saying, look what they are doing. This is what they're about. This is the threat you face. They are coming after your way of life. They are coming after the foundational principles of this country. Now is the time to pick up your intellectual rifle and go to battle, right? That's, that, that can be used as inspiration rather than you can turn that terrorism on its head. I think you can judo the terrorism is my point. And that's what I'm arguing. Okay. Today. Okay. I can get with that. 
quick quick uh, thing I wanted to respond to. I responded in chat, but I just want to say it here. Hmm. Mark was asking, he said it sounds like you guys believe that the DNC is beholden or are puppets for BLM. And I just want to clarify, I, I, the DNC has become, like the media and like almost all of our cultural institutions, have become beholden to SJW ideology. They're all speaking my old ideology. It's this kind of identity politics-based Marxism that's married to postmodernism in a weird way. But it's all about identity. It's all about they believe the best way to look at the world is as a struggle between these identity groups for power and that we need to redistribute the power among groups. They're collectivists, just like white supremacists. They're, they don't look at you as an individual. They look at you as whatever racial group or sex group or sexuality group you're in or whatever an endless number of identity groups. That's how they view it. So BLM is just one part of social justice ideology. You think of it like an umbrella. There's a social justice umbrella. Under that umbrella, there's BLM. There's the feminist part of, of uh, the social justice movement. There's the LGBT part of the social justice movement. There's the radical trans part. There's the fat positive part. There's the mental, there's the mental health justice part. They keep coming up with new parts of it. And they basically go in and they, they cannibalize these movements. And from the inside out, they've cannibalized the ACLU. The ACLU used to be about civil liberties. The ACLU had a, had an internal coup a couple years ago. I don't know if you guys remember this. There were some internal documents leaked. They had a fight. They had a civil war basically within the ACLU and the woke SJW people won. Right. And so the ACLU is now said, uh, they, they won't say this explicitly, but they basically said we social justice is our number one priority. Like they, they will not, they're not about civil liberties anymore. They should change their name because if it conflicts with social justice ideology, they're not going to stand up for your right they're not going to stand up for free speech or liberty. They're going to they're going to push this ideology first. That's why if you look at the ACLU social media feed, it's complete woke nonsense. Biological sex isn't real. Men can have periods. Um, you know, yeah. they're they're pushing the same belief system. So I, that was just an one answer. caveat. I would, just my opinion of the DNC mm -hmm. is I don't believe that all of DNC leadership is is um, social justicey. I think. Probably a lot of them are grifters, and they recognize yeah. that this is the way that this party's is the going, grift. and that's this is the grift to get on board with. Um, yeah. And Hillary Clinton is probably the primary example of what a grifter looks yep. like, right? That's that's what a grifter is, um, and you know she'll speak woke all day if that's necessary. And I don't even think, honestly, I know this sounds cliche i don't even think biden's a grifter i kind of think by i'm starting to feel sorry for joe biden i kind of think i do feel sorry for joe something's biden. going on yeah. with him that's just uh it's if he had family around him that loved him he would not be in this race um all right let's do a few super chats there's a lot to talk about here but let's, let's do this few thank you guys chats. for the super chats we're going to take a break yeah. so we can thank you all for the super chats because yeah. we've Really appreciate you. Thank you, Wombat of Doom. She says, best carry rant ever. We need this rant on a clip so we can post it over and over. Uh, Beverly? Beverly. <laughs> we have someone working on clips. I don't know if she's We watching. have an excellent volunteer who's yes. been helping us with clips. Which they will come yeah. out soon. Uh, I, uh, it's not her fault that they're not out yet. It's my slowness. Um, okay. Uh, thank you to Blackbeard. Blackbeard says... Pulling down statues looks like the two minutes hate. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, if you, you remember yeah. the two minutes hate in, was it 1984, I think? Or was it the Brave New World? I think it was 1984, the two minutes hate. It was 1984. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it does. It does. It does look like that. 
Uh, let's see. Hold on. Little Ragamuffin. We got super chats all over the place today. Thank you, Little Ragamuffin. She says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, 2 Corinthians 4.4. All righty. Thank you, Little Ragamuffin. Um, Thank you, Little Ragamuffin. There's definitely metaphor in there as an atheist. Yeah. At least I can see that there's, uh, even as an atheist, I see that there's a good metaphor in there. Um, okay. Let's see. There's, I, I think I'm still missing some, so I apologize. I'm yeah, scrolling. Yeah, the metaphor in there, just the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays. So even, yeah, I see what you're saying. So even if you're not, a Christian. Well, notice a the God. Of, the word God's of, not capitalized. It's the God of this age. It's the idol worship that's blinded yes, the mind. Yes, the God right? of this yeah. age has blinded the mind, right. and and that's exact. I think that's exactly true. You don't have to believe in God or Christ to see that. There's a lot of atheists and agnostics who have started looking at the Bible as a uh, just without having to be believers as a book of wisdom of accumulated wisdom. Some of the oldest stories and the oldest wisdom that's ever been passed down and. And I think, anyway, thank you for sharing that, Little Rag Muffin. Uh, thank you to Sylvia Pozos. She says, I agree with you, but for some people, speaking up equals perpetually unemployable, total alienation, etc. And the word you're looking for is resentment coined by Nietzsche. Uh, I don't know that word. So I, can I speak to this for a second, Carter? Yeah, yeah. We absolutely look... We absolutely understand. I'm going to try to speak. I'm going to speak for both. Now I'll just speak for me. No, no. I, I do also understand, understand that. Yeah. You, you can you can throw. I know the what risk. you're going to say. I think, yeah. and you can throw me in there with that. That's fine. Yeah. We the the fear is legitimate. It's real. And believe me. And for the past few years that I've been talking about my old belief system, I hear from people all the time. Most of them liberals who are very afraid of saying anything. Who know that this leftist authoritarian social justice bullshit is bad, but they are too afraid to speak. And some of them are too afraid to even hit like on my post. They want to talk to me privately about, oh, I like this, I like that, but they, they can't. They're too afraid publicly to like something or share something. And I understand that. That fear is real. I went through that fear. Mm -hmm. I w it took me about six months before I wrote my first essay. And the fear is real because the consequences could be real. You, you, you fear losing your job, social status, social circle, friends, family in some cases, um, your safety, your privacy. You could be doxxed like our friend Mike Harlow. Um, you, you know, these people are dangerous. My my old belief system, they, they believe in force. It's not that's not a it's not a bug. They believe in violence. It's a feature. It's a feature of the ideology. So. I get, I totally get the fear. I think the the problem is, and I and I, is that I want people to know it's, it's it, and I hope I hope people can see this is that if everyone who was afraid, but who knew this was wrong, spoke up, on mass, this would be over. The problem is that this is the real world, and we're all individuals, and so everyone's going to get over their fear at a different timeline. Everyone's not tomorrow going to be like, okay, let's do this, let's all get over our fear together. It's just going to happen individual by individual, and I've seen it happen. But what happens is when you get over your fear and you start speaking what you to believe to be true, you become more confident. There, you get better friendships and relationships. I've I got out of toxic work, toxic friendships, 
toxic, things that were not healthy for me. How can it be healthy for you if it's keeping you silent? And so, and then, and then, and then killing a little bit of yourself every day that you're not yourself. Right. Yes. This is a form of slow suicide. Um, and you are accepting it. And I don't, I I don't, it's not that I don't have, I don't mean to interrupt Carrie. It's not that I don't, I do have sympathy for that stuff. And, and I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to say like, oh, just man up and come out. Like, (laughs) it'll be fine. No, it won't be fine. Uh, it may affect your way of, uh, it, it may affect your lifestyle. It may affect your financial situation. It may affect your, it will definitely affect your social circles. Um, but I am going to say, again, I'm, I'm using war analogies today for some reason, but look, uh, your arm is infected with a disease that will kill you. That disease is rampant. You need to cut off your arm. Like it's time to tighten your belt and decide like, look, can we live on less money? Can we move to a smaller place? Can I, can I deal with, read the book Anti-Fragile, which could be a book club book someday. Read the book Anti-Fragile. Put yourself in a, get yourself ready in a financial position that you are a little bit more independent, a little bit less relied, um, relying on uh, you know, the approval of Mark Zuckerberg to earn your paycheck. It will hurt. Be prepared for it to hurt. It still needs to be done. It still needs to be done because I believe that I know that you're afraid. And I'm, by the way, I'm not chastising you for being afraid. I'm not chastising you for like delaying. I get it. It hurts. But you are facing the, like, it's going to hurt much more later. It's going to hurt. If they win, the pain that you're afraid of right now will seem like nothing compared to the pain your, that you will your experience kids. later. Like right? the world that your kids are going to live in is, it, yeah, I can't. I mean, even, it's literally. I, I, I again, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but this is the ideology that ends up putting people on boxcars and shooting them in killing fields. That's this ideology. Now they're not doing that today. No one's saying that they're even saying that. But is it possible? I let me tell you something. My okay. A lot of people know that my wife grew up in China. She's got still a lot of ties to China. Her family's in China. The older generation, like her parents' generation, lived through the uh, the Cultural Revolution. They saw the Cultural Revolution. Now, interestingly enough, uh, obviously, they, they tried to get their kids to the U.S. They tried to get out of the U.S. Right? They wanted to escape. Um, a lot of them ended up sending their kids here for college or whatever, and their, their kids are here. Um, now... In the past few years, when when so they recognized, by the way, the value of some of the there were positive changes in China. Things were being opened up. Obviously, um, the economy's grown. They be, they got a little bit more freedom. Still authoritarian dictatorship, or not dictatorship, but authoritarianism, but got a little bit more freedom. They recognized a few years ago when when uh, she started to lock things down. They recognized like, oh, this is bad, and they started telling their kids like, oh, you gotta, we we actually really need to get out of China because. The, the, pro- the positive progress that's being made is now being pulled back by this guy. This is dangerous, right? So the, and they, they were correct about that. Things did get worse. They were right. But you know what they're saying now to their kids in the U.S., their adult children in the U.S.? You want to guess what they're saying, Carrie? Oh, they're saying, they're, they're noticing the same signs. They're saying, get the fuck out of the U.S. right now. It's the cultural revolution. You are in danger. Get out. We've seen this 
come home to China, it is safer. It sucks. Everything we said about she sucks, it's safer. Come the fuck home, please, children. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. And they're right. This is yeah. the cultural revolution. This is, that's what's happening. So make no mistake about it. You're not gonna ride this out being silent. You're not gonna ride this out in comfort. Your life will change. The question is, do you want to step up and make that change in a way that is that resonates with who you really are and take ownership of that change? Or do you want to let it happen to you? I'm not going to make that decision for you when you can, and I'm not judging you for being afraid of stepping up and, and doing something or saying something or being like saying what you believe, but make no mistake about it. You cannot hide forever. You can't. It won't work. And the sooner you make you take action, the better you'll be long term. I know it's scary. I know it's painful. You may lose your job. Your your standard of living may go down. Do it. Yeah. Do it. It's better think, than getting on um, a boxcar in 20 years. Yeah. That being said, I do agree with Sylvia in chat. He says we need to be understanding of why people aren't doing it or are afraid. And I am. It's just that we still want to yeah, make I'm, the case. By the way, I, I'm yeah, not I totally on understand. I, we just want to make the case because we want to encourage people. I want to encourage people to get past their fear. I'm not judging you for your timeline or when you get past it, what your line is. But I mean, I, I, if, I, I, believe, I believe it's better if we get over our fear and stop what is happening. So that's the case I'm going to make. But I don't judge the people who, you know, yeah. I heard from someone in academia the other day. I heard... From my, I've been hearing from lots of friends and entertainment people who are afraid to speak. And someone in chat just talked about this 11-year-old on the news crying um, in the UK because they've got these racial re-educators. And the kid was crying and saying he's afraid of saying the wrong thing and getting in trouble. Re-educators. Re re-educators, yeah. You want to go to re-education so, camp, kid? Yeah. But, but I, I definitely, yep. you know, whatever that timeline is whatever small ways you can get over your fear. It doesn't have to be some big move that you make tomorrow where you go, again, You don't. not everybody has to start a podcast or whatever. No, but not everybody has to join an organization or run for Congress or whatever it is you think you can do. You can just in little ways push back, try and get over your fear in little ways at first. Be be the person who says the, the yeah. thing when you're at dinner with friends and somebody says something you don't think is true. Be the person that disagrees with kindness and with grace and ask them to clarify and then explain why you don't agree, but not in a hateful way. Do you know what I mean? Like that helps because especially when they love you, if they're friends and family of yours, that's, that's the best scenario for you to maybe be able to reach someone is because is because they, they do love you, you know? So, yeah. And, and, and um, be aware you're not alone. It seems like you're alone, but a large percentage yeah. of this country, if not the majority, they they don't want this. They're just yeah. afraid. They're just afraid, just like you. That's what it is. And look, I, I'm not, I have empathy for, again, I wanted to emphasize, I, I know I'm sounding harsh. I have empathy for you. I'm not saying you got to do it and you're a jerk if you don't or you're a stupid coward if you don't. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to do, Christians love the phrase tough love, right? I love you guys especially the people who are actually <laughs> devoted to individualism, I'm trying to hold up a mirror to you. I'm trying to, not a mirror. I'm trying to just show you reality. 
This is the reality of where you are. It's a shitty situation. It sucks. It absolutely sucks, but it's the reality. And the sooner you understand that that's the reality, that's where you're living, the sooner you can act on that, the better. And what I don't want you to do is to think, is to pretend that you can stick your head in the sand or avoid being seen for the next 20 years. You can't. It won't work. So they're going to come for you either way. They're, they they're are going to come for you. Look at the way that the, 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 and this again, history gives us lots of examples on this of anyone who's, who's not completely following with what you're supposed to be doing is suspect. That's why silence is violence, right? They love to say that lie. That is a lie. But you know, I knew, I heard from small business owners who posted the black square on blackout Tuesday and privately told me they did not agree with it, but they were scared and they, they were sick having to post it. And if what they're doing is creating an atmosphere of self-censorship and fear, and this has happened over and over in history, any kind of totalitarianism where people feel like they have to comply, but they're kind of sick feeling doing it and they don't do it entirely. They make little concessions, but they don't make it entirely. Like one of my friends put the black square, but wouldn't put the hashtags or, you know, and they know they notice that. You're, well, there's something and, wrong with her, they, but they, but let me just, they notice oh, you, that they, and they, they say there's something wrong. That. Yes. Yeah. They will eventually come for you because you are not perfectly engaging in their purity spiral. You are not saying it exactly right. They can tell that there's a part of you that doesn't believe this. They will come for you anyway. Or if you remain quiet, I mean, the, oh my gosh, you're not well, saying anything yeah. about this. Yeah. Here's the thing. This is a, this is something to understand about the social justice warriors, everyone. You are guilty until proven innocent. You must adamantly be constantly demonstrating your innocence. You must be constantly showing that you're one of them. And so if you fail to do it in a little way, that's evidence, right? Like you're guilty. If they can point to the fact you didn't use the hashtag properly, yeah. you're guilty, right? You are guilty until proven innocent, not the other way around. Um. Let's do some super chats, Carrie. I don't want to get we have a lot of super chats. Uh, Tax Terra, thank you, Tax Terra. Tax Terra says suggested for book club, The Art of War, so we can better discuss strategy. I think I actually mentioned that before I put it up on screen earlier. Uh, but thank you, Tax Terra. Yes, uh, I probably got that from reading your uh, super chat and not putting it up earlier. Uh, Sylvia, thank you, Sylvia. She says, "Oh, correct my spelling mistake for Nietzsche." You know what? No one noticed. Uh, but. Okay. Thank you for the super chat. Let's, let's assume spelling. that Sylvia can spell correctly and she has the integrity to admit when she's wrong and corrects her spelling. Uh, Wastelander says, we need another Cliven Bundy movement. Yes, although... Uh, What's that? Kind of. Cliven Bundy's the guy who stood up to uh, the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, ironically enough, BLM. Uh not ironically, but coincidentally, <laughs> also with the acronym BLM. He stood up to BLM, but it was a different BLM um, with respect to his, his cattle grazing. I, yes, but I don't, there wasn't a lot of, uh, I don't think there was a lot of underlying philosophy behind that. At least that wasn't articulated very well. But yeah, I agree, more, more Clive and Bundy type people would be great. Um, but again, I th didn't he end up going to jail or someone ended up going to jail? Like it cost something. He's okay. But it did cost something, and someone, someone ended up losing their life in that, and I don't remember that. But one of the very early, one of the first episodes we ever did, it was even, I think it was even before you were around, Gary, was like about uh, a loss of life with respect to one of those 
um, incidents. Um, Mac Tun, thank you, Mac Tun. Mac Tun just gives us a super chat. So thank appreciate you. it. Uh, Leah Baker. Leah, it's been a long time, Leah Baker. Hi. Uh, Leah says, posted my first political post on Facebook to encourage hearing new perspectives from the black community. Thanks to you for giving me the courage uh, amid negative comments. I imagine you probably did get negative comments, but good for you. Uh, Good for you, Leah. And I hope that you survive (laughs) doing that. Good, Um, Leah. Yeah. Leah's great, by the way. Uh, Like in real life. She's actually cool. Um, I can, I can vouch for Leah. Uh, Cecil Charles, official, not the unofficial Cecil Charles. Uh, thank you, Cecil. <laughs> Cecil says, can we please watch, can we all watch the Brett Weinstein Evergreen documentary, share it with all, seeing it happen does so much more than words. At, it will convert. Yeah, you're right. Um, Ninja yeah. Kitty, can you put the links to Benjamin Boyce's? Because we talked to Benjamin Boyce about it, but uh, I'm not. We're not going to steal his stuff and rerun it on our channel. So, just link to Benjamin Boyce's stuff. It's a long thing. He's got great stuff. Um, go watch the whole the whole thing, um, because the evergreen situation is is a is a great. Um, it's a blueprint prelude. It's a blueprint for what's what's going on now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Macton again gives us super chat. Thank you. He says, are you aware of the four stages of ideological subversion discussed by good old Yuri Besmanov? Yes, we are. Yes. We've talked about Yuri uh, several times, although I know we have a lot of content, so you, you may not have seen it. I actually downloaded one of Yuri's, uh, I read his book recently, the World Thought Police book. In fact, it's, it's, this World Thought Police book is printed out and sitting here because I'm an old man who prints stuff out. Um, I'm actually was thinking about doing a specific Yuri video. I downloaded one of his his talks. Um, we may do some more Yuri stuff. But for those of you who haven't seen Yuri, Yuri was a defector from the KGB, uh, and um, in in the I think early '80s or '80s, whenever he defected, and he talks about the uh, intentional communist, i.e., Marxist ideological subversion techniques, and uh, and it's. What's scary is you see that they, you know, I, I, I come away from that going, <laughs> oh, we won the Cold War with like guns, but we lost it intellectually. <laughs> like we, we lost totally the Cold lost War it. culturally. They we went into it. the universities. I mean, he talks about this. They get went into the universities. If you can teach a people to hate themselves, to censor themselves, you know, to destroy their yep. own country and their own civilization, then they don't have to come in with guns. Right. Um, you guys, and, yeah, yeah. Abs- I, I underline this. Go watch on YouTube. Still has a lot of them up for now. Uh, look up some Yuri videos. He did a lot of interviews in the 80s about this. Yeah, he did. Um, okay. Catherine G., thank you for all your effort. It really does matter. Thank you, Catherine. Um, appreciate it. Your super chats matter as well, by the way. Uh, so thank, thank you for that. Um, Angie Hoffman. Thank you, Angie. Angie says, what strategy do you recommend for business owners who are being targeted by cancel mobs? Well, uh, Can I speak it depends to on the business. It depends. It, it largely depends on the business. Uh, yeah. You want to answer it first? I mean, I, I definitely yeah. have something to say about it, having been a business person for a while, but uh, go ahead. Well, so we've interviewed several people and some of them are in chat today. We've interviewed several small business owners who've stood up to the mobs. Maria Tuscan being one of them, Tuscan Knits. Uh, Marie Buskey being another one, um, Skeins Yarns out of New Zealand. 
little ragamuffin being a third who does her own um, her own small business with uh, sewing patterns. Those people who stood up to the mob, you can ask them in chat. Marie Buskey posted something earlier that I wanted to highlight. I've probably lost it now because the chat's moving fast. But she said something about standing up and how it's like it's like dying inside when you're not saying what you believe to be true. And standing up is was the best thing for her to, when you, when she started to say what she believed. I'm paraphrasing Marie because I can't find what you exactly said. But um, those people who stood up have told us. Um, in some cases, their business thrived afterwards. Um, they have freedom over what they do and what they say. They're not controlled by the mob. Um, and, and I truly believe in the short term, a lot of the ones who make the demanded apologies and bend the knee, in the short term, they think that's the best solution. Well, if I just make this demanded apology, this this will go away. It doesn't go away. They, they never accept your apology. They always reject it. They always come back at you harder. They double down. They reject your apology. It's not good enough. Make another one. Do this. Then they start making more demands. They make more demands on your business, on what kind of uh, models you feature, showing your clothing, if you're making clothing. They make demands on who you hire. They make demands on every statement you put out, every post that you make. They make demands on how you decorate your business. That's happening here in my town. Because you bend the knee, you're basically like, okay, I'm kissing your ring. You own me now. So it, small business owners, I say people are hungry. Again, talk about the silent majority. People are hungry for courage. And they may not vocally say anything when you refuse to take the knee, but they will come to your business and support you because you're standing up. And I think Several of those people, yeah, Maria Tuscan in chat right now, my business is even more successful now and I no longer have to pretend or be in fear. Absolutely. I, I, look, ask the people who've chosen truth. Marie Buskey says, our business is stronger than it has ever been. We have given the silent voices a safe space to shop and to share. Yes, because the silent majority is hungry for courage and truth. So that's my plea to small business owners. Like you can go that route of kissing and bending, but it's not going to end. Then they own you forever and your business is going to suffer. And all the solid majority is going to quit shopping from you because you, you display, you display cowardliness. Yeah. I want to shop from people who I admire when it comes to small businesses, people who I respect, who inspire me because of their bravery. Yeah. So I, I actually, I don't have too much to add to that. I, I, I generally agree. I think it does. It depends on the business. Uh, I think, again, I want to be very reality focused. Uh, it may be that wherever you are and in whatever industry you're serving and wherever your business is, you need to think about exiting um, because you may not be able to sustain it. Um, it is true that if your business is not you basically are going to have to be forced to make it forced to make a choice. You can't sit on the fence. As Carrie just explained, you're not going to be able to sit on the fence. Uh, you might get away with it for a little while, but it's not going to happen. Um, and no business that is not explicitly, no organization that's not explicitly rejecting social justice ideology is immune from being taken over and, and controlled by it. So um, you can make a choice. And I think that, I think it's, you know, you look at your customer base, you decide... Um, you decide if you want to exit this business, and I'm serious. Like, you may have to exit the business. You may look at your customer base and say, you know what? It's 98% social justice warriors, and this is the industry I'm in. I like, I got you. Got to get out. Um, 
but if you look at your customer base and that's not the case, uh, I would say rather than just silently kind of opposing, I, as a as someone who has run business before, I would judo move it again, and I would say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to be the place that in my industry, I'm going to be the business that rejects all this explicitly not just silently rejects it i'm going to explicitly reject it and i'm going to i'm going to fight principally you will lose a large percentage of your customers probably when you do that but like carrie said you will gain the people who um who the silent majority and the people frankly there are people who people like to look to you know in any community i mean i think marie um marie busky spoke about this when we interviewed her but like in any community they are looking to you as their as a leader of some kind. Not the leader. You're not you know you're not the, the authoritarian, but you're a leader in that community, and um, they are turning to you for shelter. And so, um, I would say you need to be able to make that choice. If you if you're gonna you either you either fight it, or you figure out a way to exit and shut it down um, and do something else. Because or or cannibalize your current. I mean, the best thing to do if you can't fight it because of your customer base is to use that revenue, cannibalize it, and turn it into a business that you can actually fight. Um, that's kind of the most devastating thing to, thing to the social justice warriors because you've profited off of them, and now you're going to use that nest egg to do something else that fights them. But um, I think, it, unfortunately, actual business advice uh, for you really depends on your business and your situation. Um, okay. We Smoke Bitcoins. Thank you. See, uh, we Smoke Bitcoin says, Bitcoin loves you. We love Bitcoin. I love Bitcoin. Carrie, I think Carrie likes Bitcoin. Maybe it's not as not as tight with Bitcoin, but she likes Bitcoin. Uh, I I love Bitcoin. Bitcoin is uh, had a lot of promises. We'll see if it they pan out. Um, okay. Sylvia, again, thank you, Sylvia. She says it, Carter. This is a thing you do very. Constantly, this pigeonhole. I've taken action, but I have no one that depends on me. What about parents, etc.? Um, oh, you're saying I'm not. I'm not actually sure what your question is. Uh, yeah, you've got dependents, of course. You got people that depend on you. Uh, I and I to say that I don't have people that depend on me is not true. <laughs> like I have a daughter and a wife. Like yeah. People depend on me. Um, I'm, so I'm not sure what the question is, Sylvia. If you, uh, I'll try and read it, even if you don't do another super chat. If you respond to this, I'll try and, and read it. But I don't know. Uh, I don't really know what the question is. Um, yeah, there's people have people around them, and there's consequences to your behavior, and it affects people you love. Totally. No one's arguing. Um, okay. Daniel said, oh, we should wait for Carrie to be here for this one. Uh <laughs> Daniel says, hey, y'all, just got here. Sorry for being late. Holy, does Carrie look hot today, or is it just me? Also just finished The Last of Us 2. Bittersweet. All right, I will put, I'll try and put this back up later um, while Carrie's here. Let's see. Next super chat. Okay. Thank you. Battle Gnome 23. Battle Gnome 23 says, we... Lost the statue argument when they got the lost the statue argument when they got the Confederate flag battle. Right, this isn't the first time they've been going after symbols. 
right? Um, they've been going after symbols for quite some time. Um, and they've been trying to justify it uh, through slowly eroding uh, the meaning of the symbols and the principles behind the founding and all this kind of stuff. So they've turned everything into um, a symbol of evil, which makes it easier uh, for them to justify this stuff. So, uh, okay, another super chat from Sylvia. Sylvia said, thank you, Sylvia. Sylvia says, we've known they're coming. I went to the most progressive unit in New York City, and if that's where we're headed, y'all have no idea how insane it's going to get. The race plus gender plus queer theory. Oh, boy, yeah. Uh, well, uh, they are coming. They are coming. Uh, let's see. Tabitha. Thank you, Tabitha. Tabitha says, Lavoie happened a few hours from my house. Killed by OSP. I don't know that story. We should look it up. Ninja Kitty, if you want to do a quick search and post a link in chat or something, uh, I will look it up. I don't know. Sorry, I don't I don't know everything. <laughs> a very, very small fraction of what's happening in the world. Uh, okay. Lou. Lou says, Leah's Post was promoting the Uncle Tom movie. Totally neutral. So, yeah, I don't know if I should reveal relationships, but Lou knows Leah's post that I read earlier. Lou knows Leah. Let's leave it at that. Uh, Leah's post was promoting the Uncle Tom movie. Totally neutral post, and her SJW family members made comments about the movie, even though they haven't seen it. Of course they did, because um, this ideology relies on ignorance. Uh, Yeah, I mean... you. There is no neutral post anymore. That's the thing. There is no such thing as a totally neutral post because you are guilty until you've proven your uh, ideological compliance. So if whatever Leah posted didn't, you know, it, it wasn't a virtue signal of her ideological compliance, then uh, then she's guilty. Uh, thank you, Jeanette. Jeanette says, it's extortion like organized crime. Yeah, I know what you're talking about because I wanted to make this point earlier when Carrie was talking. Um it's a form of extortion that doesn't involve uh, monetary payment. It involves part of your soul <laughs> that you need to pay. Like, sing the ideological hymn to us. Like, show that, like, confess. In fact, if this were a religious war, like, in the traditional sense, this would be the moment when they're, like, renounce your God and, you know, accept Muhammad or whatever it is. Like, this is that, that's what they're asking you to do. This is, to, you're, you're supposed to be, um, in order to get protection, you need to make the, the, the payment, the ideological payment that they're requesting. So it's a great point, Jeanette. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Maria. Maria Tuscan says, what do you think about the continuing COVID situation? The rules are, are only getting worse here in Washington. What are politicians up to? Uh, that's, a good, that's a good question, Maria. Uh, I've been kind of ignoring the COVID situation because so much else is going on. Um, I did, so Maria sent me this video of Jay Inslee, who's the governor. He made this quip about the First Amendment at the end of one of his uh, uh, press conferences. And I'm, Maria and I both kind of weren't sure what he meant, but I'm pretty sure he was just making fun of people who used the First Amendment argument for why they don't have to wear a mask. Um, but uh, look, I, I don't know. It's it's hard. I think they're drunk on power. So uh, the they love this idea. So if you if you imagine the perfect government for an authoritarian, the perfect bureaucracy to run for someone who's authoritarian-minded is one in which everything is illegal and then they can cherry-pick who they prosecute. So um, 
because that's how you, if you make everyone a criminal, then you have absolute control. Even if you can claim that the that the laws are objective, if there's so many laws that everyone's always doing something illegal all the time, then you can enforce them however you want. So maybe Maria, what's happening is uh, they like this idea that it's illegal to it's assemble or you have to do this or that. They they like the authoritarianism. They like the the control that it gives them because it allows them to do what Kerry was talking about earlier, where it's like, oh, well, this kind of protest is good and this kind of protest is bad. And so we're arresting you. Look, you violated a law. We're not arresting you. Well, uh, oops, that was an oversight. It's, but the law is objective, right? That's their, uh, that's their argument. Kerry, we're going through Super Chats. Kerry's back, everyone, by the way. Uh, I have not gotten through the Super Chats since you left. Oh, um, wow. I figured... So I apologize, guys. My AC repairman needed to settle up with me. And my AC is fixed. Yay. Good. Good. Uh, Daniel Keene says, the best way to get good people to to do horrible things is to dehumanize your enemy. That helps. Uh, unfortunately, at my conclusion, having having just read the Ordinary Men book that we read and actually the, the Milgram experiment, uh, Stanley Milgram's book, um, I'm not sure that's always even necessary. I think you can get ordinary people to do horrible things just by training them to obey authority uh, in many cases and through social pressure. Um, wait, but Carrie, there's another super chat we got to put up. Uh, hold on. Okay. Here. here it is. It's also from, uh, no, this is from a different Daniel. You missed it while you're gone. It says, hey, y'all just got here. Sorry for being late. Holy, does Carrie look hot today or is it just me? <laughs> I also just finished The Last of Us 2, Bittersweet. So I wanted you to see that one, Carrie. It's very important. I just said, yeah, I am hot because my AC was off. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. Um, Alex Monaghan. Thank you, Alex. He says, uh, look up and not a shot is fired by Jan Kozak. PDF is available online. Deals with communist conversion. Interesting. Uh, it sounds along the lines of the Yuri Bresmanov stuff. We will definitely look it up uh, Thank you, Alan. Um, okay. BK Mill. Uh, thank you. Uh, he or she says, is it okay if we come up with our own Kafka traps like POC entitlement or social gaslighting warriors versus white privilege? Do you have any? <laughs> we could. Uh, <laughs> we, I think you are now, you've just made yourself the, uh, the the general in charge of of Kafka traps for the left that we can deploy. So, uh, Tabitha, thank you, Tabitha. Yeah, I don't want to really want to do what they do, and I don't want to engage in Kafka traps. I know, but I, I know, like I know. the funny way you think. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a little bit of a, a little bit of a Juno move. Oh, Lavoy was the rancher killed in connection with Mondays. I forgot his name. Thank you, Tabitha. I also now forgot your previous question, uh, but. Um, yeah, Lavoy, if I recall, I think I remember seeing the video, like he ran out of the truck and was shot by federal agents. Uh, I should probably look up what you were asking me about it so that I can... What did you ask me before? Lavoy happened a few hours from my house, killed. Yes, okay. Yeah, so Lavoy was that... I mentioned the... We mentioned the Bundy thing. Someone mentioned the Bundy thing. Lavoy was the, the person. And it's literally like episode two or something where we cover that. Okay. I think we got through some super chats. Uh, somebody asked, are you guys on locals too? Okay. Here's something I want kind to of. do. Carter and I've been talking about it. <laughs> We're kind of on locals. We are going to flesh it out a bit. I'm just, I think everyone's leaving Twitter and I keep seeing parlor and we were on parlor. We are on parlor. We are on parlor. We're going to start. I'm going to make a concerted effort to grow out our parlor community 
and our locals community. I don't know which one of these, if any of these will be the place that people go to, but we might as well put effort into it because we know we're not going to last. I mean, we've always said from the beginning, at some point, the censorship is going to get so bad, they're going to take channels like ours down. Yeah. They're going to take, yeah, and, and Twitter is, is, I mean, they just, my original article on leaving the SJW cult from 2017 just got, Twitter just put a, a what did they put on it? Like a little, uh, I forget the, what's the word, Carter? Like a, they put a, a little notice on it. A warning that you, that the content warning. is like, uh, not graphic, sensitive. but like insensitive or something. Sensitive, yeah. yeah. Sensitive content, yeah. They put a warning on it. You have to go through an extra click to see it. Like, are, are you kidding me? That's an article about leaving my old ideology and trying to be the change that you I want to see in the world and trying to make sure that my behavior reflects my beliefs. It's, there's, it, it, anyway, they're going to continue what they're doing. Yeah. So, by the way, so, Beverly in chat says, uh, I'm... Uh, she says, use Gab. I'm unlikely to use Locals because of the money. Yeah, I, I thought Locals was costing money, but then the other day I went there and it didn't seem to. I don't know if maybe it does. Um, just to be clear, everyone, we are on Twitter, Facebook, Gab, Minds, Locals, Parlay, Telegram. Uh, I don't think I'm missing any. Um, we just don't know. Like Harry said, we don't know where to focus our time and we don't have anyone. I can't spend my time all day on social media. Uh, we don't have anyone to like spend all day posting on social media. So we can post our videos there. But if I just by default, if I go anywhere to, to just chat with the community, I usually go to Telegram chat because I like to chat directly with people. Carrie, I think, goes to Facebook quite a lot. Um, and so maybe we should be you know choosing different things, but it's just not clear. Um, someday we will have a team of, as Keith the Hat Guy called them, which you will see in an episode later, uh, what are they called? Uh, social media warriors. Uh, someday we'll have a team of social media warriors <laughs> to fight the social justice warriors. Uh, and they will be all over the place. But right now we, we do not have that. Um, let's also, see. hey, guess, I'm just going to plug this while we're talking about all the social media places we are. Somebody says they're going to go follow us on Parlay or on Minds. Yeah, mm -hmm. do that. Follow If you have accounts on those other platforms, go ahead and follow us now, even if you don't use those platforms regularly yet either. At least you're already following us, so if we get shut off here at any time, you are already connected to us there. Um, and I was going to say, if you guys, thank you so much for the super chats and the subscribers, the financial subscribers, because you're helping us to focus more time on this. And eventually, we want to get to a place where we can hire people to help and not just rely on volunteers. Um, and you know, if you can't support financially, you can support by liking the videos or sharing videos, or you can support by on iTunes, go to our podcast and write a review you know, like oh, do yeah. something like that. Cause that helps us. All so. that stuff helps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and by the way, I'm very, uh, I'm very grateful for our community. Isn't that large, but you are very active, um, yeah. and you're very <laughs> supportive. So uh, I, there's a lot, I really appreciate it. I, I don't not, you know, the best thing that we can do actually is to grow, uh, that, that will help us. Um, okay. A couple super chats. Kim Ray says, uh, thank you, Kim Ray. She says, I love the judo analogies. <laughs> thank you for all for both you do. I don't know why judo's on my, my brain today, but, uh, I guess it is. Uh, maybe I can, maybe Aikido will be on my brain next week. Uh, Maria Tuscan. Thank you, Maria. She says, <laughs> I want others to be the change I wish to see in the world. And that she's quoting <laughs> social justice warriors. <laughs> yes. That is the SJW mantra. 
Yes. Make others the change you wish to see in the world. That's that's the uh... change everyone except yourself. <laughs> yes. Whatever you do, don't be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, yeah. And thank you to Design Cheryl. Design Cheryl said, Designer Cheryl. Designer Cheryl says, go to Twitch app built on the blockchain. Uh, I haven't been on Twitch. There's a lot of stuff like this. I mean, we can go to Twitch, I guess. Um, you know, I don't actually think the blockchain is necessary for any of this stuff, and I think it's uh, not even the right technology to use because it's slow. The only reason that we need the blockchain is we can't seem to trust anyone to keep our content up. So. I guess in that sense, <laughs> the blockchain keeps your content there, so uh, it's good for that. Um, Carrie, can I? I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm not trying to to go back to anything. I am kind of trying to go back to something, but uh, we were talking about early on. We were talking about the toppling of statues and the cultural revolution and all this stuff. And I, I mentioned, I think before you were here, I mentioned um, this movie, The Killing Fields. And it's the title, uh, it's, it's the cover art for today. It's, from, it's a still from this movie. Um, and it's about... Um, Cambodia? It's about Cambodia. It's not... So I thought it would be... Uh, I thought it would be kind of general. It's very specific. It's about a... Um, I think based on a true story about, about a reporter, uh, a, Cambodian, a Cambodian journalist slash uh, photographer and, and a New York Times reporter. And it follows their story. And um, I want to play a scene because uh, although I've talked about the ideological significance of the statue toppling, I want to talk about some practical reasons for destroying the past and some of the things that were happening there. And there's a scene that I just think is super poignant here. So um, bear with me. I'm going to play a scene from this, and then we can talk about it. Sydney, I think of you often and of my family. They tell us that God is dead. And now, the party they call the Ankar will provide everything for us. He says, Ankar has identified and proclaims the existence of a bad new disease, a memory sickness diagnosed as thinking too much about life in pre-revolutionary Cambodia. He says, we are surrounded by enemies. The enemy is inside us. No one can be trusted. We must be like the ox and have no thought except for the party. No love, but for the Anka. So for those of you who are just listening, uh, and Carrie, who I don't think could see the video. I don't. I don't know why. Sorry about that, Carrie. Um, the so the scene that you're watching was this guy who was stuck in a, a Khmer Rouge work camp, basically, and he was fluent in uh, French, fluent in English. He um, he's Cambodian though, and so he he needed to hide this because if they discovered and they would like people would test him right they would speak french to him to see if he would respond right yeah he needed to hide that because if they found out that he was educated they would kill him um and there were moments where they would we they would have people stand up they would say oh anka would ankar which is the the, the party the anka would like to this is a we're going to extend an olive branch basically this is a time to forgive if you were a doctor or a professor 
come and and receive the blessing and 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 forgiveness and they would get a hug and then they would go away and they would be shot <laughs> they would be killed later um because they were trying to get rid of the intellectual class and one of the things that happens in this scene is he's talking he's talking in his head to his uh, friend new york times reporter who who's back in the states at this point and um and he's talking about the how the Khmer Rouge is has painted the enemy as something that's within. It's like virus, uh, basically. It's a disease, and that disease is um, it's a memory disease. It's a thinking. It's thinking too much about the past, right? And remember, this is they set up. I think 1975 was year zero, right? This was year zero. This was destroying all the past. Year zero. And if you uh, didn't see it, if you're just listening. There's a scene in which a little kid, they're teaching kids, and the kid walks up to a chalkboard, which has got a, a picture of a family on it, and puts an X through the family, and, and then takes his finger and wipes the connection between the mom and the little kid. They're holding hands. He wipes the connection between them. And the whole, everyone, everyone claps, and they're told that you need, uh, you know, you can only have love for the party and for, the, for, for Anka. And um, the reason I wanted to play this is because, well, two reasons. One, uh, notice the intentional destruction of the family. And, and, and this is super important. And it's, you know, we noticed this, Carrie, when we, when we read Brave New World, which I think a lot Brave of people New World. forget, right? A lot of people forget that Brave New World is just as prescient as 1984. Um, they need to control every aspect of childhood development. And part of that is destroying um, the family, because the family can teach you values that are contrary to the state's values or the group values. Um, the family can give you a sense of self uh, and independence that inoculates you against indoctrination. And so they need to totally destroy that. Um, and the other reason for destroying the past, and, and again, they it's fascinating to me what the poignant thing here is they had this, they referred to... Uh, they referred to this thinking too much about the past as this disease and the diseases within us and we have to eradicate it. And it just reminded me of this, got to pull down the statues, there's this disease, we can't, can't have the past, blah, blah, blah. And I, I want to I just point out something about evil generally. I'm not talking about evil people, I'm talking about evil as a, like ideological evil. Um, evil relies on ignorance and fear. Those are like, those are two things, I mean, uh, Socrates, the ancient philosopher Socrates actually believed that, uh, like your righteousness was, was directly related to knowledge. He thought like knowledge was the key to virtue, right? If you needed to be virtuous, you just need to be more educated. Now, I don't agree with him on that, but like he did recognize that there's, I think what he was recognizing was that evil certainly often requires ignorance, right? Like evil certainly, uh, flourishes in ignorance and, if you think about what erasing the past does, just from a practical standpoint, it does a few things. One, they are literally pushing an ideology that was responsible for over 100 million deaths last century. Um, this democide, governments, like, not deaths in wars, governments killing their own civilians, right? A couple million of those, by the way, happened in the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia in, in the span of four years. Um, and... In order to in order to accept this ideology and 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 go preach it, I think two things are really helpful. One is you don't know anything about the past, and two is you're unable to think through the consequences of ideas. So critical thinking 
is is inimical to spread of this ideology and knowledge is also toxic to the spread of the ideology. So this year zero is the idea of encouraging critical of, of sorry of discouraging critical thought, encouraging ignorance, discouraging critical thought. And I just want to point something out. That is the goal. I know that like a lot of people, I think a lot of people are naive when they they look at this and 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 someone says, hey, the goal of those professors that you're sending your kids to be lectured by in school, they're literally trying to destroy their ability to reason and they're trying to make them ignorant. That sounds hyperbolic and it sounds like, it sounds, you know, I think you're naively dismissing that as like, well, you don't understand. That's not, that couldn't possibly yeah. be their goal. That's too evil of a goal. That is their goal. Listen to what they say and do. That is their goal. And and I think it's important that we don't uh, evade the fact that that's what's going on. And there's a practical reason, aside from the spiritual terrorism that we talked about before, there's a very practical reason for setting right now. I think 2020 is year zero for the cultural rev revolution in America, right? Yes. Um, yeah. It, this is year zero. Uh, in fact, you know, if if I ran Time Magazine, not that I would want to, but like year zero would be a good title for the cover, right? This is year zero. That's what this is. Um, and so, uh, and remember that when people get indoctrinated into this, the very first, if you think about your brain as like, uh, there's different arenas, like you can think about different kinds of things. The very first neurons that are killed, the very first area of your brain that needs to be dark is the critical thought around the ideology. <laughs> like yeah. the first thing you need to do is be blind to the ideology itself, right? So you need to be arguing that your ignorance and your stupidity is some form of enlightenment. That's the number one goal. Then they can just start filling your mind with whatever crap they want. And so they, and they do that effectively. Can I? Yeah. Yeah. Please, second? please. I know I'm on a rant. They, so yeah. They, they do that effectively by um, what we talked about earlier and what there was a person in our, in our chat who I would, assume agrees with social justice ideology his name was peter i don't know if he's still here but peter illustrated kafka trap right after we explained what it was he did exactly what we said they do right say? after What'd we said do? it you didn't see it he no, goes uh no. he says the fact that he goes you guys arguing against white fragility is an example of your white fragility <laughs> yes <laughs> so excellent so example peter thank you <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Um, they make it so that you can't question the ideology, like you said, and they do it so effectively. I was in a conversation on Twitter last night with some guy who I assume is very well-intentioned, who claims to be a Christian and is pushing this racist, evil belief system. And he said, uh, you know, I, he, he said, your post is, your, your Twitter feed's full of racism. I was like, no, it's not. I don't, I don't believe in judging people and treating them differently on the basis of race. If you're going to make that accusation, show me which tweets you're talking about. And he couldn't. Um, but he wanted me to give an example of, of what I was calling racist on the SJW side with this this SJW preacher who I follow. Mm -hmm. And I did easily, easily. Sure, it's easy. The, the tweet we were the tweet we were talking about. He said, <laughs> he said whiteness, or he said white people have normalized gaslighting or whatever. White culture has normalized. So. That's racist. He's talking about he's indicting an entire group of people based on nothing more than their race. That's racist. And you know what this guy said back to me? That's not racist. Racism is impossible against white people. No. Racism is prejudice plus power. Racism. <laughs> they so they <laughs> he ran his algorithm. With, I get it. Yeah, they but they fill their head with this crap. And I used to believe it. I preached it. 
they fill their head with this crap to protect the ideology. Because if you're to look at it on its face, it's objectively racist and sexist. It tells you to judge people on the basis of what race they are and treat them differently on the basis of race. That's disgusting. It tells you to look at people on based on what sex they are and to treat them to have different rules and standards of treatment for people based on what sex they are, what sexuality they are. It is on its face a bigoted ideology. So how do you get people to push that? You tell them the definition of racism is now different. Right. It's a, it sounds quiver, absurd, but look at all the arrows people. for your quiver, right? Yeah. yeah. And so they, they protect the ideology from critical thought, and they don't encourage critical thought. And, and we do, they have they have thousands of ways to end discussion or to end thought. And uh, thank you, Peter, for illustrating one of the one of the perfect ones they do, which is if you disagree with this, well, then you're racist. Well, I, I disagree with white fragility. Well, that's because you're white. You're 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 displaying Maybe Peter white fragility. Maybe was on our side, just being obvious about he was like, be, giving an example <laughs> of think, being a social justice. I don't theory. think so. No. Yeah. Um, oh, I read some of his other posts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, wait. Someone else was saying, "Oh, Nine Inch Nails has an album called Year Zero. I didn't know that. Um, I I stopped right around Downward Spiral, which I love, but I didn't read. I didn't listen to a lot after that. Um, thank you, Nicole. Nicole says, uh, "You can only have loyalty to the party. Yeah, you can only have loyalty to the party. You can only have love for the party." notice fundamentally it's collectivist and and you are i mean looking at something like uh the khmer rouge or you know in in that movie or, or just any similarly totalitarian thing you can you see the same thing in china you can see it in the soviet union uh the 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 fundamental thing here is and this is the fundamental difference between what i will call the kind of enlightenment uh, ideology and anti-enlightenment ideology which is uh, you are owned by your peers. You're owned by your peers, and your peers either pick a representative somehow through, maybe he just is the strongest one and <laughs> is the dictator, or or they vote for that representative, or sometimes they kind of operate as a weird collective. It doesn't matter. You're owned by your peers. Your life is in the hands of your peers. And the big innovation, enlightenment, enlightenment-wise, the 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 major departure from how governments were operating for hundreds of years before that, uh, at least in the West, was that uh, you own yourself. You, you don't. You're not owned by a king, and you're not owned by the proletariat. You're you're owned by yourself, um, and that's that's the idea. When I talk about the flame of Western civilization that needs to be kept alive, it's that. It's that idea, right? That's what needs to be kept alive, um, and. That's that's fundamentally what they're attacking, and and you know the other thing I noticed about this the Khmer Rouge movie, which I, I kind of knew intellectually, but I, I didn't notice until they depicted it in the movie. Like I hadn't really thought about it. Most of the Khmer Rouge are very young; they're very they're kids, right? They are kids who are pointing <laughs> AK-47s at forty-year-olds, right? They are kids; they're kids who are obviously kids usually don't have as much context and knowledge about history. Um, and they, it was, it was the young population that was mobilized to do this. And they weren't in ideological agreement with one another. There was lots of factions and, and people fighting each other and, and different, you know, different ideas going on. They, but they were united in their, uh, 
Marxism, basically. And they're, they're, you know, different flavors, different ideas, but united in Marxism and hatred of uh, the bourgeois, bourgeoisie, or, or you know, <laughs> the anyone they viewed as... It's like the... Uh, it's like if, if hippies became violent and you gave them guns, right? It's like, don't trust anyone over over 30. Like It's, it's like that movement, you know, exponentially uh, made violent. Uh, that's what it was. Um, and so I, I think it's important to keep all this in mind um, based on where we are. And, you know, I guess that's a sad way yeah. to end this show, Carrie. I don't want to end right here. But <laughs> uh, that's what's happening. Well... It is what's happening. Well, you already made me cry during this episode, and other people in chat I saw. Did you make me? I, well. did, that was you crying. I was trying to ignore that that was happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was that? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So much for my it's... reality focused. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, they are trying to destroy the family to get back to that clip that you showed. And Brave New World, if you guys haven't read it, is um, Brave New World is is definitely applicable to that because it brave new world is almost like a, it's an authoritarian dystopia. If the left gets control and they recognize that in order for everyone to be kind of this robotic cog in the machine that worships the state is they have to destroy the family. And there's a scene in the book where um, some students are being you know, they're all, the babies are all born in test tubes, essentially, and they're not raised with parents. And they're all programmed at night with hypnopedia, which is this uh, programming that they're being fed, which you can think of a lot of our programming is coming from the legacy media. But um, in, they're getting that they're receiving this constant programming about what how they should and should not how they should treat people based on group status. If you're an alpha, you're treated this way. If you're beta, you're treated this way. It's all like the SJW like they, stuff. They fall asleep to a Robin D'Angelo audiobook. Yes, they fall asleep <laughs> to white fragility. And the, the, so they're just being pumped full of this nonsense. And there's one scene where um, they're being, the, the students are being told about in the past, you know, we had, there was stuff called a mother and father, and they've been programmed to react negatively and to physically feel ill they hear they hear the words mother and father and they're like Ugh, you know right and that it, it's definitely i didn't used to believe when i was on the left i didn't believe the you know when i would hear conservatives talk about the destruction of the family i was like what what a bunch of alarmism when i heard them talk about christianity being targeted for um as, as like enemy number one, you know, being targeted for destruction. And I was like, whatever. I didn't actually investigate it and follow the news. I didn't, I didn't know about in other countries how Christians are massacred. And I, and I certainly didn't look about at what was happening here in the States as something negative um, towards, towards Christianity, because I believe, because like an SJW, they teach you to believe, look, look at everything in terms of groups, and all those groups are either the oppressor or the oppressed. And I'd been taught Christianity's Christians are the oppressor. So just like they teach you men are the oppressor, and white people are the oppressor, and uh, skinny people are the oppressor, and uh, they, they teach, and you know, straight people are the oppressor, they teach that Christianity is an oppressor group. And so any complaints from the oppressor group are written off as um, I, I, they would probably call it Christian fragility, right? Actually, you know. Yeah, well, did you, you saw Sean King yeah. running around saying that uh, he now he now thinks that all the depictions of well, white Jesus need to be taken down everywhere. That's his. He said thing. 
he encouraged a felony. He told people mm-hmm. to go and, and destroy churches and destroy their stained glass windows. He encouraged, he encouraged vi- like actual violence, like destroying buildings. And again, talk about symbology, right? Destroying Christian buildings. I can't believe that guy's still on Twitter. I mean, I can because we know how Twitter works. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't have a horse in the race for in terms of what color Jesus was, but uh it's pretty it's pretty vile to be telling people to like go rip this down. Like I don't know how that's a symbol of of white supremacy. Um so, so. people quick people thing, just call them for... Talcum X in chat. I yeah, heard I that. love when they it's, call it's a it's a great name X. for him. So, so in chat, Horace Scorpion says, I think all this BLM stuff is making people more racist. It is. Of course. Because it is a racist belief system. And just like the feminist stuff, the current, the, 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 the way that feminism exists today within the SJW ideology, it makes people sexist. This makes people racist. It is a sexist and racist belief system. And you know what? It also makes people more racist on the other so, oh, so-called sides side of this coin. Racist, racist, because, yeah, yeah, and I saw today on Twitter, so so get this, um, one of the wrong thinkers I follow, who herself is a feminist, but she's been ousted, she doesn't post the right opinions, um, Kate Herzog posted a white nationalist, it's a screenshot of a white nationalist saying, as a white nationalist person, I'm rubbing my hands together in glee that critical race theory, BLM, thuggery, and other rogue golems are increasingly driving self-respecting white people towards unapologetic white identity politics. This is something we've talked about for a long time. White supremacy is the other side of the same coin as social justice ideology. They teach the same shit. They teach the same shit. White people are superior. I'm starting to believe that it's not even different sides of the coin. It's the same freaking... I'm it's the sorry, same, I'm well, it is kidding, the same but point, yeah. but white, white, so white, they teach that white people are superior, that white people have a privilege, that, that white culture is all about reason and uh, intellect and that all of our enlightenment values are white values, which is not true. Math it doesn't is, have anything math to do with is a race. white thing. That logic is a white is a thing. thing. Being yep. on time is that being on time, that being on time, that meritocracy, that logic, that all of these things are whiteness. SJWs teach you this and white nationalists will teach you this. They teach you, they both are collectivists. They're not individualists. They both teach you to look at people based on what racial group they're in and to judge them based on what racial group they're in. And in the case of SJW ideology, also on what sex group they're in and sexuality group they're in. But they teach you to look at people and judge them on the basis of race. They teach you that race is the most important thing and we all have to focus on race. That we shouldn't see people as individuals. Guess what? Individualism is what cures racism. It's why we were on a path to progress. It's because of people like Martin Luther King who talked about individualism. That's where. That's why we made any progress at all to get away from racist tribalism. This is a destructive belief system. It's regressive. It's aggressive leftism. And yes, you're exactly right. I'm, I'm sorry I'm on a tear again, but like you're exactly right. This belief system is is pushing racism and it's increasing racism. And on the one hand, it's increasing racism by turning people into little SJW racists who are out pushing racism. And it's also pushing white people more towards white nationalism. It's increasing racism across the board. Okay. I mean, something that I said the other day that this is, uh, and we we've talked about this before, and 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 something that you gotta just without judgment think about think about the situation here. 
um, th just to like try and empathize with people involved. So, um, you know, you've got you've got the mainstream telling people that uh, you have there's there's two choices. There's the quote anti-racist movement, right, um, which is obviously very racist. It's 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 like anti-white. Actually, also anti-black, though. Like they, they have weird conceptions of what it means to be a black yeah. person. So they've got all this racist, these all these racist ideas. Um, but they, those racist ideas are aimed at uh, destruction of whiteness. So that you have that is on on one hand. That's your that's your choice. You can do that. But if you don't subscribe to that, if that's not your ideology. They're very black and white thinking, not, no pun intended, right? They're very, very black and white thinking. If that's not your ideology, then you are a white supremacist. Those are the only, that's the entire, that's what they're being told. That's not true, but that's what you're being told. That's the entire universe of options. Imagine yourself to be a young white person growing up, totally naive. The world presents you with these two options. Well... If you're self-hating, you choose the left's idea. If you're not self-hating, you become a white supremacist. Assuming that you can't think for yourself enough to realize there's a third option, which right. no one is talking about, yeah. which is individualism, right? Like, actually, individualism. individualism is the choice you should be making, but they don't want you to see it. Um, and so, it, you know, individualism, it, like, actual anti-racism, I tweeted this the other day, actual anti-racism is called individualism uh that's what it's yeah. called uh ra racism is a form of collectivism it's just all it is is it's a it's a form of race-based collectivism collectivism can be tribal based it can be national based it can be based on favorite shirt it, it doesn't matter you can be sports team you can be collectivist about anything collectivism has many ways to manifest itself sports teams obviously aren't a political bad manifestation but um but you know politically Collectivism can be manifest in lots of different ways. Marx did it through classism, right? He did it through the, the quote, workers and the people who owned factory, the quote, factory owners and the bourgeoisie, right? All those are forms of collectivism. Racism is just like the dumbest form of collectivism. It's like racism yeah. is collectivist, collectivism for people who are like as dumb as a sack of hammers that's what racism is <laughs> it's right it's like okay i can't even conceive that people are have any other like attribute than skin color like it's 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 the most moronic form all collectivism is evil racism is like the dumbest version of it um but that's all it is and the only antidote to all of that collectivism is individualism it's the only antidote it's literally the only antidote you have to view people as individuals not self-owned individuals to be judged independently based on their own actions and deeds and thoughts or you know, speech, not as members of a group. Um, this is why when, pe when people start speaking up, speak up on behalf of individualism. SJW ideology changes rapidly. It evolves rapidly. And one of the things they've been doing in the past year, and we've seen this now in mainstream legacy media articles, they are now... They they recognize they, the ones who run this shit. They know it's they know 
that individualism is a threat to collectivism, and they know their ide ideology is collectivism. Well, that's why These they the now are saying individualism intent. is a dog whistle for white supremacy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so we yeah. have some major news pieces now, um, legacy media pieces, which are which are openly attacking. Social justice warriors are now openly attacking individualism. They didn't used to do that outright. They used yeah. to be more of a cloaked about it, like, oh, we're not collectivists. They are collectivists, and now they've moved into this stage where they are openly saying individualism is the enemy, and individualism is is somehow white supremacist. No, it's not. White supremacists are not individualists. They're just like you guys, SJWs. They're collectivists like you. Yep. Okay. I'm we, we've got to end this on a good note. No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of a good note to end it on. Uh, how about a couple super chats? Maybe there'll be something good in the super chat. Okay. Um, Thank you, Loquacious Primate. Uh, Loquacious Primate says, I know it is not a solution to the ideology itself, but if more people just rejected and unplugged from social media, would that at least soften the blows and rampant pace of cancel culture? Maybe, but it depends how you can use social media, right? Because uh, we use social media to, to connect with all of you guys, right? Like we're building the Telegram is social media. Like we just had a conversation about locals and, and a parlay and all that stuff. Like we, we can you can build communities on social media as well. So uh, I, I guess maybe stop getting your news from social media echo chambers, I guess. But, um, you know, I, I think social media definitely has contributed negatively because there's because of the uh, anonymity and because of the, uh, I think uh, even more than the anonymity, I think it's probably the fad, uh, sorry, these, the um, conformity that you talked about. I think you, touched on this in the last show, Carrie, but I think you said something about, you know, there's all the Instagram people or I would call them Facebook people because I'm older, but whatever, who like posting pictures of like, here's my perfect meal. Here's my perfect yoga pants. Here's my perfect sunny day on the beach. Like, yeah. look at, look at my life. I'm so great. Um, my all those life. things, which were concrete <laughs> things in the past, all those things that were, uh, the, the consumerism virtues, like consumerism signaling, like uh, status symbols, uh, the new status symbol has switched to virtue single status symbols, right? So they're now, I, black lives matter. I, here's my black box. Like they're all support. They're doing the same thing. It's yeah. it's the same thing as a picture of their new yoga pants. It's just like they're doing it for the same kind of <laughs> adulation that they want for, you know, the, their their great fish fillet that they, they posted last week. So these people aren't thinkers at all. They are just conformists. They're just conforming. Um, and I think that conformity, you know, again, getting back to what we were talking about before, uh, the willingness to submit to authority and the willingness to conform and submit to the, the peer pressure, those are two uh, very, very dangerous attributes of humans. Um, and you know, some good can come out of conformity a little bit sometimes, I guess, but um, they're very, very dangerous attributes. And I think what, one of the reasons you see the social justice mobs have so much power online is precisely because that conformity is being triggered um, in a way that it's hard to trigger in yeah. real life. Because you're, you know, if you if you remember the Milgram experiment, the so there was different variations. There was the variation where the person being quote tortured was in a room that you couldn't see but you could hear them, and and uh, the the and this is about a. Uh, submission to authority, but I think it would hold true for uh, conformity as well. When you, when you could hear them but not see them, there, there were like two-thirds of the people like went ahead and tortured the person. 
but there was a version where you they were sitting in the room with you and you had to actually hold their hand down onto the like the little shock pad, right? There was still, I think, something like 20% of the people would like, cool, they would do that, but that's much different than two thirds. The, the compliance dropped quite a lot. And I think the same probably holds true for conformity. Um, if you know social media has enough distance that if we were all in a room together, you probably wouldn't pile on Carrie and yell about how she's racist. But if you're on Facebook together and she's just a little icon and no one knows who this Carrie Smith person is, bam, piling on becomes like, you get praise from people that you do know that and like other icons in there, it's much easier to get caught up in that. So. Well, it's, it's also a long way to answer. Yes, social media is a problem, I guess. But it's it's the same thing as a, a mob in real life. When you are in a yeah. mob, you be, like these rioters and looters, you become more anonymous because you you become part of this group, this mob mentality, and that's kind of what you see happening online. Even more, even more likely online because you're not actually face to face with people. That, but it's that's like what I'm become a part of this group. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, actually, you know how you've talked about the threshold theory? I forget whose theory it was, but the threshold theory about mobs where there's a, you know, maybe a certain yeah. percentage of people very low that will throw the first stone, but then there's a more, more people that if they see one other person throw a stone, they'll throw a stone. And then there's more people that if they see two people throw a stone, they'll throw, throw a stone. And it can spiral out of everyone throwing into everyone throwing stones. Um, I think that my, my guess is that that threshold uh, is actually much lower online where there's a little bit of anonymity. So... Um, you know, people who in real life, uh, wouldn't throw the first stone at all might online be willing to be like, eh, it's just online. I'll, I'll throw a stone. There's a little bit yeah, of anonymity here. Totally I'll, I'll see how yeah. the lobbing of the stone goes. Right. Um, yeah. So. Daniel says, Daniel Keene says a person can be smart, but people are always stupid. <laughs> yes, that's true. I like that. Uh, wait, that line is from, uh, isn't that line from men in black? It's probably before that too, but I think, oh, I, think I don't I, know. Yeah. I think Tommy Lee Jones at one point turns to. Uh, what's his name? Will Smith and says, "No, uh, a person is smart. People are stupid, or something like that." Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Thank you to uh next super chat. Thank you to Melissa Thorst Thorson. She says, "Is social media slash YouTube the only way to speak out? What if it's not a person's natural environment? How else is it possible to resist?" I would not say it's the only way to speak out at all. In fact, if you're not on it, uh, I don't know why you would suddenly feel the need to go on it. It's a <laughs> cesspool so no speak out in your real don't. life with your friends yeah. and family and in conversations that you hear again if you hear somebody saying something you don't agree with and you don't believe it's true t you could take that opportunity to tell them that you know in a loving and gracious way i would try to put that and that's the tr tough part is not getting so you know is is being for me that's the tough part i have some conversations that have, i've done i've managed to do that really well and others where i haven't you know, but that's a good struggle to fight is to be aware of when you let your emotion or animosity take over you. Be also, if you're if you're talking with somebody with, that you really disagree about something, don't let there. There's a there's an Eckhart Tolle quote about how what you respond to in another, you um, you cultivate in yourself. And what I think he means by that is sometimes if you respond in the same way. So, for example. If, let's say you're talking with someone and you disagree on something and they get really angry and you, that pulls at something in you. It's almost like pulling anger out of you too. And if you give into that and then you become angry and then, then let's say they call you a name 
well, if you respond to that and you call a name, it's like you're allowing this person's energy to pull the same stuff out of you. The struggle is to, is to let them be angry, let them call you names, and then to, to put, a, put a wall up there emotionally and not let them pull that out of you. Don't let them turn you into the monster that they are. But, you know, at, at every, every conversation I get into, it's not like you learn this once and then you're great at it. It's like going to the gym. You have to practice it. You don't go, you don't figure this out and then are magically like, oh, I'm the best, like judo, I'm the best at taking their negative energy and turning it into positive energy. No, you have to continually practice doing that. Yeah. I, I would, I would say that the, if you're going to talk to people in person, my two goals, which I also don't accomplish all of the time <laughs> either, um, but my two goals are first to recognize there there's always unspoken assumptions behind whatever they're saying always there's almost almost always there's almost always unspoken assumptions that you, that that they go into the conversation uh, with a with a premise and if you don't notice that at the beginning you can get yourself wound up pretty easily cuz you you go down some rabbit hole and you're in this argument and like Actually, a lot of these conversations can be had at a very high level. Like you can undercut the very beginning and talk about, talk about the premise because uh, that once you can identify the unspoken premise, and if you notice it's not shared by you, like oh, that's the place to have the conversation. Nothing below that is worth talking about, right? Yeah. So, for example, talk if the premise, the premise is I believe we're all in a jar on Mars and there's a giant green alien that's manipulating us, like if that's the premise. Talking about Black Lives Matter, kind of irrelevant. That that big premise controls the entire conversation. That's where you need to have the conversation. Um, and the other thing I would say is, uh, and and this is again, I'm not always great at this either. But uh, asking questions, and, and I can, by the way, I can ask questions in a way that comes off as rude and mean, and and like you can still you can still ask questions and be a jerk. So you got to be careful about it. But if you can ask questions in the right way uh, and get them to think about stuff, you don't actually have to. The goal is not to convince them of anything because very, it's very unlikely that you giving their rider instructions is going to work. But what you might be able to do is get their rider to go think about something later. And, later. Um, and so just asking some questions um, and kind of and and you know noticing the the not shared premises and and bringing that up. That might be enough to like have them go away and come back another time. Uh, so I, I would, I would focus on those two things. Frankly, uh, I don't know if it helps or not. Uh, Super chat. Thank you, Kagi. So Kagi TM. I, I feel like it's a trademark. Your name's a trademark. Kagi says you you're looking for a happy ending. It's Kagi's birthday. Thanks for the cast today. Happy birthday, happy Kagi. Birthday. Everyone in chat wish Kagi a happy birthday. That's, uh, that would be a good ending to the show. That's a good, although we have another super chat at least that we have to do. But it's a happy, that's a happy ending. It's a happy. Um, all right, let's see. There's one other, I think there's one more super chat that I'm missing. Ken. Ken, yep. All right, Ken, thank you, Ken. Ken says, Carrie changed my whole approach when she explained talking to people's emotions, not logic. It's kind of working. Yeah, she's very good at that. Uh we were joking yesterday that yes, uh, yeah. I'm, I, I can speak elephant and writer because I happen to be a person person who lives more in the emotional space, 
but I, I can also, I also am in the logical space. But anyway, we, this sometimes, is another video. But yeah. Carter and I sometimes have texting discussions where he's he can tell I'm getting emotionally like, why not? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, calm down, let's have a discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's anyway. it's important. Uh, it's important, and it's a skill set that uh, if you're gonna, I think if you're going to, it depends how deep you are how deep the other person is in the ideology. Like if you're going to go in like Carrie and try and pull social justice warriors out, you got to be, you got to speak elephant. You got to be really good at going in there and doing that. Uh, I should probably stay away from that because I don't speak elephant very well and it doesn't work. Like <laughs> going in to talking to the rider is not going to work very well. The rider talk actually will help with the people who are confused which is there's yeah. a lot of like majority people who just look at this and like it doesn't make sense they're confused but they can't articulate it they're looking for they feel like something's wrong and they're looking for explanations and and they're looking for a way to think about it and that that you can have you can have writer conversations with them cuz they're not they're not reacting really negatively emotionally to you they're open to having the discussion on an intellectual level and that's important so uh, both are necessary but if you're going to go try and do the SJW battles. Take take a class from Carrie on Elephant Speak 101. So, all right, Carrie, do we have anything else we need to cover? I think that's it. You guys, thank you for tuning in. Well, uh, book club is this Sunday. We oh, yeah. were reading a really emotionally tough book, but I think very relevant right now about learning how it is that you can get an entire group of people on board with committing atrocities. Um, and it's called Ordinary Men by Christopher Browning. Um, it's about a police battalion in Poland um, uh, during the Holocaust. And you, if you want to tune in, if you haven't, you can watch us live just like you're doing now. We're going to do it live. Um, you can be in the chat live. But if you want to be on video and be a part of the, the video discussion, please send us an email at speak at unsafespace.com and let us know you want to be in the video discussion. Carter will send you a link to join much closer to the time that we're starting it. Um, and uh, if you are joining us, um, uh, you don't have to have read the whole thing. We, we, you know, if you don't mind being spoiled, come join us. Even well, it's not even, it, it's it. not like it's spoiled. It's World War II, so you kind of know how yeah. it happened. Like, there's not a trick ending. Um, but, uh, yeah. And actually, the the book itself is very short. There's like a couple afterwards that you could theoretically skip. It's not, not the end of the world. Um, so it's, it's, you could get it all done tomorrow if you haven't even started. So, uh, yeah. all right. Well, thank you everyone. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You can go to unsafespace.com to sign up for the newsletter, which hasn't actually ever been sent, but at least you'll still have contact with us for when we get banned from everywhere. Uh, you can buy merch there. You can support the show there, uh, which has a link to subscribe star, which is where, uh, people support the show and get their names in the credits and you can, for people who like Bitcoin, hint, hint, you can uh, you can donate donate through Bitcoin. So all right. Also, it's really hard to find nine millimeter ammo right now. So I'm gonna suggest that Carter we start accepting nine millimeter ammo as payment. Yes, I'll, <laughs> I'll take nine millimeter ammo as payment. I'll also take 45 ACP. Uh, so and 12 gauge shells. All those things are totally fine. Uh, absolutely. So yeah. All right, everyone, have a good day, have a good weekend, Bye, and we'll guys. see the book Thank club you. people on Sunday. Bye, Carter. Bye, Carrie.
Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. I have calculated a 97.8% chance that these are all rushing bots. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Please connect to CNN to receive the latest version of your belief system software. All hail Chris Cuomo. That last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.